This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. What is going on? Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. That is right, you guys. It's 2021. The 20 Podcast is back in effect. I am back here like always. DJ Spider in the house. Thank you guys for rocking with me. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. Shout to the whole BeatSource family. Thank you guys for all that you do. Made it through these times. I got to do a dope uh, stream on Twitch with Serato and BeatSource right before New Year's. It was so much fun. I used almost all BeatSource tracks in my set. Um, and I didn't record it, so there's no way to see it. So if you missed it, you missed out. All right, you done missed out. Um, but yes, if you don't know what BeatSource is, I am here to inform you with that. I've got that information for you. Is that a surprise? Well, I'm going to let you know. It's the new digital music service for open format DJs. Um, and we've got BeatSource Link, which BeatSource Link is a crazy new technology where you can DJ off the cloud in your favorite DJ software, whether it's DJ on the iPad by algorithm, whether it's you know anything you want. It's in the hardware and the Denon players. It's in Serato. It's in Rekordbox, and it is super dope. And I've been getting more and more into it, so I really recommend you guys checking it out. They've got playlists that are curated, one called The 20 Playlist, which is what this is named after. 20 dope new songs, all genres that are handpicked for you every week by the music director Kid Spin, as well as a bunch of dope playlists of every genre. I was finding crazy stuff, even like these live versions of songs and things I've never heard before and things I was surprised to be on the site. So go check it out. Shout to beat source thank you for providing us this platform to do this and to connect with other djs and musicians and people around the world and help us spread this knowledge especially during this hard time uh this pandemic that we are all going through so i hope you guys are all out there uh safe and healthy and i hope you i hope you all had a safe and healthy and happy new year's eve And I hope you feel ready to jump into 2021, okay? Because if not, don't fret. This podcast episode is 100% guaranteed to get you there, to motivate you to do whatever it is that you want to do this year. Because I know that this episode did that for me. Just having this talk with this human being on this podcast has really motivated me and I think it's going to motivate you. There's so many amazing nuggets of knowledge that you cannot get anywhere else so uh, make sure you tune in there's a monster of an episode it's huge it's the longest one we've ever had um and uh as well as look at this anyone watching on youtube or checking these clips we have stepped up our game okay we stepped up our video game we stepped up our audio game anyone who watches on youtube will see this it's looking real crispy and real nice okay movie major motion picture level Um, but as always thank you guys for rocking with me and uh, all my beat sorcerers i really appreciate the community we have built hit me up i'm on twitch once a week tuesday nights at nine o'clock with a lot more to come twitch.tv slash dj spider or 
on Instagram at DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. DJ Spider, send me a DM. I've uh, been keeping in touch with you guys through that, so I love it. And now, on to our special guest. We are starting the year off right with one of the most legendary guests we've ever had on the podcast. This track in the background is one of his latest tracks he released in October. You might not know that, but uh, it's super dope. Um, It's called Evil, so go peep that. This person, I think, is on every DJ's favorite DJ list. If they ever had to name their favorite DJs, this person is one of them. And if not, then... They got problems. Um, And this person has single-handedly done more for the DJ culture than almost anyone. Um, From pioneering new scratch techniques to touring the entire globe year after year. uh, Been in the game over 30 years. He won the first Grammy for hip-hop. I mean, he's really pioneered a lot of things. He's been on hit television shows. He's created some of the most amazing music and dj based streams just in the past year on the internet on twitch and everything his own app his own website youtube twitter all of it he he streams instagram um he's put together some of the most uh legendary dj and musician retreats in the world that he hosts at his house uh the playlist retreat also, he helped DJ AM to build Dexstar, one of the greatest DJ agencies in history that I happen to be on with a lot of other really talented people. Um, on this episode, we get super deep. Like, we talk about funny things and bad and good gigs, all types of stuff, but we also talk about really serious, uh, serious things here, including him being really sick at the top of 2020. And he dispels any rumors about him being in the hospital and in ICU. But he tells the truth about everything that was going on, uh, which also leads us to talk about uh, the streaming that he's been doing and how he's been so active in building up this streaming world, his great streams. We talk about how the world has changed for DJing and DJs forever and what it's going to be like in the future and what we think. Um We have amazing stories from him about DJ AM, Will Smith, Quincy Jones, so much more, as well as his amazing history that you may not know about and also his future plans. Um, We got stories about some of his bad gigs, which, yes, he's had some bad gigs, at least one that he tells on this show that is hilarious. Um, And just a ton of priceless advice and knowledge that you really don't want to miss out on. Um, This person is always ahead of the game in every way. I mean, from being on Serato in the beginning before everyone to everything he's doing. You know, we talk about it in here. But um, he's always trying new things technologically, artistically, personally. He's just an amazing person to look up to as a DJ, as a musician, as an all-around creative person, a family man, and like I said, an all-around human being. He's just a wonderful person. So I am super excited for you guys to hear this episode. And without further ado, I am honored to present episode 59 of the 20 podcast featuring DJ Jazzy Jeff. Let's go. DJ Jazzy Jeff, welcome to the 20 Podcast. It is an honor to have you on here. How are you doing today? I am good, man. I am good. I am I am about to take a very much long-needed break, which Yo, may well deserved. be five days. <laughs> <laughs> five days? You can't give yourself seven days? <laughs> yeah, may, yeah, maybe. Maybe seven. <laughs> 
or six to be put it in the middle. I mean, you have been obviously your entire career working so hard. You're one of the hardest working people in the music business as a whole, even just apart from DJing. But, <laughs> you know, since the the pandemic has hit, I mean, you've gone all in, you know, like you have been from the Instagram days, back in the Instagram yeah. live days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you were doing the quarantine, magnificent lunch break and, and all that stuff. And then obviously it's transitioned so much into, um, mm. you know, way further with your own apps, your own website, Twitch, YouTube, and, and all the platforms. So yeah, for you to say you're taking a break, um, that sounds like it's, it's well-deserved. Um, what what sparked that like taking the break um i think top of the year you know right. i usually kind of you know i usually go through a thought process the top of every year of what it what did i do that i didn't like what do i want to accomplish and just kind of write down some goals you know almost you know i don't i don't really like new year's resolutions you know as much as yeah. just as self evaluation of of where you are and especially after this year um, this was the, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm speaking for everybody. This was the craziest year that I've ever had. Um, just thinking about, you know, where, where it started. I left, um, the day after Christmas last year for my final tour. And wow. we, we brought in New Year's in New Zealand. And then we went and did a complete Asian tour, which was wild because, you know, the virus was basically chasing us while we were on this tour. But, yeah. you know, a lot of times I kind of like to get up close and personal. You know, I'm on the ground. So I'm asking people in Hong Kong, like, hey, what's the deal? And they're like, yo, it's not like that. You know, we dealt with, you know, SARS and all the rest of this stuff. You know, this is 4,000 miles away. You know, we pretty much have it under control. And a day later, when we were leaving Hong Kong, the whole airport was bubble wrapped. Oh my and I God. was kind of like, something is different. And we flew from Hong Kong to Indonesia. And when we landed in Indonesia and I turned the television on, they shut the Hong Kong airport down. Oh so my God. it was, it was literally, you know, chasing us. And, and, you know, I, I, I felt weird like right after new year's and us going, you know, we went to Australia and New Zealand you know, there was just something that was off with this tour. It was amazing shows, but it was like my energy was just kind of like something is not right. Right. Um, and this and was I, New, and, New Year's, like end of December, beginning of January. Yeah. Yeah. Like one and you, year ago, and you heard right about now. the virus. And, yeah. You know, you heard about the virus and, you know, but we didn't think about it coming over to the United States. You know, and I'm just checking, you know, like, okay, I'm, you know, all right, are we cool? And y'all, man, it's cool. You know, you know, going to Asia, I've been used to people wearing masks on the subways and things like that for about 15 years. Right. So it, that, that wasn't a thing. Um, but it was something, like I said, it was just something different. This energy level was off. And from the day that we arrived back in the United States, you know, we literally landed in Vancouver um, from from Tokyo. I went through customs. I grabbed my bags. I walked out of the airport. 
and I looked at my phone and they said Kobe Bryant was killed in the in the helicopter crash. Wow. So it was it was when I say nonstop from then, it was the strangest year I've ever had. Yeah, no, exactly. <clears throat> I remember I remember that time vividly too. And like um I I was up at Sundance Film Festival. I remember waking up and seeing the Kobe Bryant thing. I couldn't believe it. It does not feel like it was one year ago, too. I mean, it feels at all. like a, at a all. lifetime ago. Um and and same with the tracking the virus. I mean, I remember this podcast in March, I had DJ Craze on and I was writing the questions and talking to him and I looked back at it and it was like, yo, are you going to change your travel to maybe not go to China for a little while because of that virus? You know, <laughs> we had, and that was in March and, and we had, I yeah. was thinking, is it coming yeah. here? We don't know. But same, I was asking him like, I know you go to Asia sometimes. Are you going to change it up? You know, we did not know what was coming. You know, I remember I was supposed to do a show mid March and they were like, Oh, uh, you know, it's going to get postponed for a couple weeks. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Next, you know, next thing yeah. we know, it's January 2021 and we're yeah. here yeah. and this is our normal life connecting over uh, virtual yeah. Yeah. programs and, and, and troubleshooting. I, I, <laughs> I Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I think what really helped me on so many levels was yeah. I got sick really early. Like right. I got sick in March. Um, wow. My, my, you know, I came home. And my last date was in Ketchum, Idaho at a, at, at a festival. And, okay. um, you know, I came home. I was excited because it was kind of like, you know, I, I normally will tour really, really heavy. And then I'll take like a month off. And it was just yeah. kind of like, listen, you know, I come home, you know, I'm going to be off all the way up to my kids spring break. I was super excited to just spend some time with the family and everybody. And uh, you know, I came home from Idaho and that's when you start hearing the rumblings of this virus. And it was literally, I looked at my wife and I was like, babe, we need to go to the store and let's just stock up because we don't know what's going to happen. And she kind of was like, yeah, you know, I don't think it's that bad. Right. And the next day I came to her and said, you know, we really need to stock up. And she looked at me and she was like, okay. And we jumped in the car. And we drove to the store. We did, you know, the trifecta run. Like, okay, we're going to go to BJ's and Costco and get all of our big stuff and then go to the supermarket and, you know, let's go to the the, the, the butcher. And, and we got to the last store and they announced Tom Hanks and his wife had it. Um, yep. They announced Rudy Gobert had it and they shut the NBA down. And I remember her and I looking at each other, almost kind of like great call because, you know, tomorrow the stores are going to be super packed. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, babe, I don't feel good. And she oh. was just like, you know, what is it? And I said, you know, just a little achy. And she was like, well, you know what? We're on our way home. Just get in the bed and drink some tea. And I was like, okay. And listen, I got in the bed. I don't remember the next two weeks of my life. Wow. Like that was the scariest time because, you know, when I got sick was right when the world shut down. So now, you know, I went through a 10 day period that I didn't open my mouth. I didn't eat anything. I didn't speak to anybody. I didn't text. You know, I, I really went through a period. Um. Because I got I got sick and about three days 
my wife took my temperature and she was like, nope. And I vaguely remember um, putting some clothes on and us driving to the doctors, which we were outside while the doctor came out in a hazmat suit. And, you know, they asked me a bunch of questions on the phone and then they came out and brought me in and they, they, you know, they did a test. This was so early. I didn't even get a COVID test. I kind of just got a, you know, a basic flu test. Right. And then they took x-rays and he came back and he was like, first of all, whenever you go to the doctor, if one doctor walks out and two come in, get scared. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, when they both came in, you know, he was just like, listen, I want to tell you, you have pneumonia in both your lungs. This is very, very dangerous. We're not going to send you to the hospital. We are going to send you back home, but you need to sit and do absolutely nothing. Um, and then two weeks earlier, I had a, a really close friend of mine who passed a pneumonia. So I, I automatically freaked out. I walked back out because they wouldn't let my wife come in the doctor's office. And she was like, what did they say? And I'm just sitting there with this blank look on my face, you know, and I told her and I went home and I don't remember anything. I remember looking at the news and them showing Piccadilly Circus in London and there was nobody in Red Square, Moscow, and there was nobody in, you know, downtown L.A. It was nobody, Times Square. And I remember saying, shit, I'm looking at Independence Day. Yeah, like, I'm for looking real. At after Earth, I'm looking at a movie and not just that. I'm sitting here like I can't even breathe. Like I got double pneumonia and I'm just like, I cannot believe you know, all of these years and all of this traveling, this is how I'm going out. And oh I swear, God. every time, I, you know, I felt like that twice. And both of the times that I felt like that, I started to cry. And just so happened, my wife walked into the room and she just looked at me. She was like, nope, nope, we're not going there. We are not going there. And it just <laughs> literally pulled me off. But that was the that was easily the scariest time of my life. But I think, you know, long story short, I think that is what sparked everything that is that made me understand how serious this was because yeah. i was so sick i was like there's no way in hell that i am going out on anybody's stage or anybody's club for at least a year like i i can't be this sick and the world can't be this shut down and this come back in six months like i'm just right. being realistic so yeah. i was like i'm laying in the bed sick saying okay all right so what now jeff what's you know <laughs> Because we all were going through it. Like, this wasn't, I couldn't pick up my phone and call you and be like, Spider, like, so what are we going to do? Because you kind of like, I don't know either, you know? Right. And then we didn't have anybody else that we could ask that was older that was kind of like, you know, when the Spanish flu hit, how did you deal with it, you know? So this was new for everybody on the planet. Right. Yeah, no, that's the truth. I mean, that that's what I tell my son. I'm like, you're going through something that no one has ever gone through, yes. including me. But I, but he's eight, so I'm like, this may seem like, yeah. oh, they probably dealt with this 10 years ago. But it's like, no, this is once in yeah. a lifetime. And like you said, like we were, we ended up, we were waiting for food one night. We were reading about the Spanish flu, like trying to learn from the history because yeah. it's so crazy, like what's happening right now. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's once in a lifetime, hopefully, you know, doesn't happen again in our lifetime. But yeah, it's it's one of the worst 
worst possible things, you know, uh, health wise, industry wise, you know, all that stuff. And, and obviously, yeah. you know, I've had other podcasts, uh, guests on where we've talked about, um, the silver lining, which obviously sounds, I don't know, that's too good sounding because of how bad everything yeah. is. <laughs> um, there has been amazing things that have come from it. There's been days where I get to go to Brazil, listen to an amazing DJ, then come hear you yeah, on the private yeah. stock records and go around. Yeah. And, you know, it's unbelievable. And and I think that, you know, it has given birth to this renaissance time of online DJing. But man, the it, it's it's just been, like you said, a crazy year. I mean, we're recording this at the top of 2021. And um, it of all the years to go back and and take stock of what's happening and think and and like you said mm. I don't really believe in the resolutions but I like thinking about everything and deciding what you want to have happen go forward and and analyze what had happened yeah. and now's a crazy yeah. year to do it and a good time to take a break and think about it all Yeah I mean, yeah you have to you know it's it's you know especially for the people who are married and have kids you know, I realized that I had to maintain sanity for my kids because yes. to not even think about how I dealt with it, but just how are you as 11 year old twins dealing with you have not seen your friends in nine months? You know, right. the virtual birthday parties that people are driving by honking a horn. It's kind of like, <laughs> you know, it was it. I, I realized very early on that I have to do whatever I can to maintain the sanity of my family, you know, yep. like, because we, you know, we're one of those groups that we go on trips and, you know, okay, we're going on the beach and we're going to go on a cruise and we're going to, and it was none of that. It was none yeah. of it. Like, you know, I, I really have not left the house unless I needed to go and get something from the store. Like right. I, Nothing, you know, because like I said, it, it, it shook me to my core as sick as I was, you know, yeah. to realize, you know, like, you, you know, th this could, this could be it. And then right. especially, you know, not even trying to get into the political side of it, but <laughs> yeah. there was so much unknown. I'm like, oh my God, you know, you knew about the virus, then you didn't know about the virus. You know, I did not have enough faith to take somebody's word for it. Because it was almost at the point of like, I'm not getting a clear cut answer if I can get this again. And exactly. I am and they, not they taking still that don't know, chance. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, you know what? If you can't give me an answer, I'm going to have to take it upon myself to give myself an answer. And I'm kind of like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I'm not, you know, it was it, it just to realize, you know, where we are. You know, and try to keep myself sane, but I want to make sure, you know, that my wife is cool and then make sure that my kids are cool. You know, this was this was wild. Yeah, same same kind of thing. Like I would be going through crazy stuff, like sitting on this couch, like what's going to happen? And, you know, you have to be able to go. <laughs> And so it's hard because we're all alone. We're used to being in these social environments and, and creating the party yeah. or or ha and and especially I mean, you are traveled literally the whole globe. Like you said, mm. you started off in New Zealand, Australia, going to Asia, you know, ended up getting sick in Idaho. I mean, it's it's such a big change, you know, so it's almost like 
like we're stopping a car that was going so fast, you know, and so it takes a yeah, second for your yeah. body and brain to get used to it and even understand what's happened, you know. Um, so yeah, same. I've had to figure out how to be sane around my family and 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 all that stuff. Um, I guess you know, um, but something that it you seem to jump really quickly into that it seemed to lead to was being able to stream online and do these mm -hmm. online parties. And um, I know you're someone that has always been way ahead of the curve technologically. I feel like in every way from just like whatever you're doing, making, I mean, you were making YouTube video vlogs before anybody, yeah. You everything from the technology, from using Serato. I remember you're like yeah. Jazzy Jeff's on yeah. Serato. Okay. I'm going to use Serato, you know? Um, so you've always been very ahead of the game in every way, uh, technologically. And you, it seemed like it was the same with streaming. Um, so, uh, you know, how do you feel about streaming? How, how easy was it for you to jump right into it? Well, you know, what's funny is I was, I was contemplating streaming a long time ago. Right. Um, the, the what, what I will say, um, Somebody like DJ Scratch has been streaming for 15 years. Right. Like he was, he was with Scratch Vision and all of us said, Scratch was so far ahead of all of this. And what I realized is sometimes it's, it's, it's a good thing. It, it's a gift and a curse to be too far ahead of something because unfortunately the average person's brain doesn't move that rapidly. So they don't kind of understand it. So you know, when, when, you know, I was sitting down, I, you know, one of the guys that kind of helped me out, um, in the studio is a gamer and he okay. was started talking about Twitch maybe about a year and a half ago. Oh, um, wow. or, or maybe about a year and a half before this happened. And he Crazy. would tell me and, and, you know, and, and being honest, you know, we're going one ear and out the other and I'm kind of like, okay, you know, this is something that I want to do, but I'm doing all of these other things and I'm traveling. I have to find a place to put this. Um, but we actually started setting the studio up, you know, like, okay, here's your camera. Here's your, this I already had a switcher, you know, from so much of the stuff that we were doing in the studio. Um, fortunately for me, I had so much of this stuff already. I've already had multi cameras and switchers and all the rest of this. Now I wasn't a person that was actually using it. So, um, you know, we, we kind of set it up like, okay, when you come back from tour and you get some time, we're going to start streaming on Twitch. I was having a conversation with somebody on Twitch. And when this happened, it was just, you know, it was funny because it was really a natural progression. Um, you know, super shout out to D Nice because, you know, he he jumped on the first weekend that we were all locked down. And having a right. conversation with him, he, you know, he was just kind of like same thing. Like, I'm scared to death. Don't know what's going on. I just need to play some music and let me play right. it on Instagram. And he started playing yeah. it. And he was offering comfort to so many people. He looked up and he had 200,000 people. So, it was, you know, yeah, like amazing, just, just that. But, but I was watching him in my sick bed. Like I was oh, watching wow. him and that kind of really helped me go through it because I could just kind of click it and keep my phone next to me and just listen to music. Um, I got to give a huge shout out to the do over because the do over was the first, um, 
they contacted me and said, listen, we want to do a virtual do-over. We want to know if you'd be down on playing. And I still wasn't fully recovered. But, you know, I, I, I said I wanted to do it because this was the actual first time in my life that I became the rumor. It was the craziest <laughs> thing for me and my wife to sit in the bed and watch my wife argue with somebody that I'm in intensive care. Oh, and wow. my wife is like, nope, he's sick, but he's okay. He's right next to me. And they're like, no, he's in intensive care. My cousin works at the hospital. And I'm like, I don't believe this. Like, I am, you know, you're watching news channels and social media channels like Jeff is on his deathbed. And I'm like, this is the wildest shit I've ever seen. Just kind of being, you know, in the middle of that. So I agreed to do the do over more so because I was kind of like, you know what? Let let people hear from the horse's mouth. Like and I remember I started that set off with, you know, I appreciate all the love and well wishes. I want to let you know that I was really, really sick. But I no, I wasn't in intensive care. No, I wasn't in a wheelchair. No, I wasn't in the hospital. You know, I really did it to kind of dispel the rumors. But what I realized is after playing that set, it was so much of a release for me because I hadn't played music, especially with this thing in your head of kind of like, I don't know when is the next time I'm going to play music. And that really felt good because I remember picking up the phone and texting Jamie and Chris, and I was kind of like, "Are you guys streaming? Uh, are you guys streaming this time next week?" And they were like, "No." And I remember right. saying, "You know what? Then I'm going to take over three o'clock Saturday." And that's basically how that was born because the first do over I did, the slot that I played was three p.m. on a Saturday, and I thought it was great because, you know, it was noon on the West Coast. It was dinner time in the UK, you know, so you covered most of the planet. Um, right. And, and I just took it and it was just literally, you know, I, I started streaming because almost at the same time, looking outside, watching the people that did not believe that this was real, you know, I'm sitting back like, yo, what are y'all doing? Like, y- you guys are outside thinking, you know. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm living proof of letting you know that this shit is very, very real. And it started to become a thing of let me stream to keep people in the house. Let me stream to, to, to tell people how dangerous this is. And Hey man, we're going to get through this. You know, I, it, I, I can honestly admit my, my stream started for my well being. And, right. and it kind of trickled down to everybody else's well being because you know, like I said, I, you know, anybody who has been DJing as a, a career realizes this is the biggest roller coaster in the world. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. This is the most amazing time in the world. Oh my God, what the hell's happening? You know, we're all going to be out of business. And for somebody right. like me who has been doing this for 30 some odd years, it's been this way for 30 some odd years. Right, so you just right. kind of get to a point that it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is how it is. I'm just going to ride the roller coaster. I know what this is. What's happening right now has never happened. We yeah. have never had a time that our entire industry was shut down. Like I got friends that are tour bus drivers. Don't drive. Sound men. No sound to do. 
tour managers, no tours to go on. Right. It's crazy. Club owners, promoters, it's kind of like it just stopped. Right. Everything stopped. Like people don't realize how many industries, because I've even had (laughs) DJs complain like, oh, when's DJing going to come back? I'm like, everyone's out. You know what I mean? Like every industry, you know, obviously not if you own Amazon, but most (laughs) anything (laughs) in our, if you have a delivery service or cloud computing, but, but if in our industry, exactly the, the bus drivers, everybody, I mean, like, you know, you've been on huge tours, you know, how many jobs are associated with that. And even people that you employ that, that travel around with you and, and with your team. Um, it's just a whole different thing. And, and I think it's important for people to realize, like you said, you've been doing this for 30 years. This is the kind of job that is up and down. You've chosen this life as a creative yeah. <laughs> yes. and you have to be ready to deal with it no matter what happens and constantly be, it's like DJing, you know, you have to read the room and constantly be adjusting, yes. right? <laughs> to your life. Yes. <laughs> Use the same yes. skills as a DJ to read a room in one night that you have to do in your career. And that's what I try to tell people. Yeah. Um, but this is beyond everything because this is a nightclub on Mars that we've never been to with like yeah. aliens yeah. and we can't we read know. the room. Yeah. Um, so just trying all the new stuff, you know, and, and yeah, shout to D nice. I mean, unbelievable what he has done, um, and what he continues to do and all of that. And, and I think, um, you know, it shows the power of music and how universal it is. And just in the same way, you know, you go DJ in Japan and there's people that you, we probably can't speak to in with words, yeah. but we can speak to them with music. I, I mean, I remember going to dinner with people in Tokyo and not really <coughs> knowing each other's languages, but sort <laughs> yeah. of being able to say song names or nod your head like, this is a good song, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, and <laughs> yeah. so music is really the thing connecting everyone. And Z Trip was on here telling some super emotional stories about how he was going through all these emotional things. He didn't know if he wanted to go stream and someone writes him a message about they were going to kill themselves and they heard his set and Mm, they took the mm. gun out of their mouth. I mean, it's, it is a very important essential thing. And I know I saw the do over set. I saw all of your early sets and I saw how serious you were. I saw the speech about I wasn't in the ICU. Don't make me part of the rumors and how important it is to be in the house. And I was on the same team, but still it spoke to me like, okay, he's this serious in the same way that you co-signed Serato in the beginning, you know, you're (laughs) co-signing not going out of the house. Okay. (laughs) I I believe him a hundred percent. He would not, you know, he travels the world. He wouldn't be saying this, you know? Um, so I think it was important that you did that and that you continue to do it. And you're still, I've watched your December sets. You know, I saw everything from magnificent Friday nights to the lunch breaks to all your sets. And you always say that, like, make sure you stay in the house. This is not over. You guys think you want to be outside stay inside you know so yeah uh, you know i think that is it's also hard because we you know i i feel like there were a lot of us that stayed in yeah and there was a lot of us that didn't stay in right so when we get to the point that we are headed for another lockdown I quietly get angry at the people who didn't stay in because I'm kind of like the reason why we're going for another lockdown. It's your fault. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, I, you know what it was like over the New Year's to watch the same festival that I did last year 
in New Zealand go off with thousands of people with That's no mask because they did it right. Right. It's so crazy. You know, I know. I'm like, you know, and, and, and then it also sucks because, you know, you have those moments that you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to grab my family and we're going to go to no or not <laughs> because we can't go. No one wants us to go because we have done everything wrong when it comes down to this. You know, it, it's, it's the craziest thing. It, it's, you know, I, in my brain, I want to take my wife away and us to sit on the beach. But I'm kind of like, yeah, we're not going to Gilligan's Island and sit on the beach with nobody else. It's, you know, it, 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 you, you almost sometimes feel stuck. But I just I feel know. like... um. You know, and 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 also, this was this was crazy to the point that you wanted to try to find ways to entertain yourself. The, 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 there, I have a I have a long list of the good parts of this. There's, you know, everybody knows the bad parts. Yeah. Um, I have been able to play music that there would be no way in hell that I could play in a club. Right, um, it's been amazing. As, you know, from 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 DJs, we all have that same thing that people hire us because we know more about the music than the people that are there. It's yeah. our job to take people on a journey. But it started to get to a point that when people are handing you request lists and all the rest of this, it's kind of like you're taking the control away from me and you're putting and you're taking the control. You think that you want to do it. And you don't, you know, it's kind of like you don't realize that I can give you a 10 times better time that you can give yourself because that's what I do. It's almost like I right. am a painter. I'm yeah. a painter and you got watercolors and you kind of like, look how dope my painting is. And I'm kind of like, you should let me do it. I'm telling you, you like it a lot better. Yeah. You know, but we it, it's, it, it became that tug of war, it became that tug of war with promoters, it became that tug of war with club owners, bottle service. It was just a thing that. I knew so many of us complained about, but we are in a position now that what I actually feel is that we are in the process of retraining the public of what a DJ actually does. Like yes. you're not going to go out and play the same way pre COVID and post COVID no. because the landscape has changed. You know, I, I've always said some of my most enjoyable sets were the ones that it wasn't required for me to play for someone to dance. If yes. it was like a, so a setting in the park and people are out chilling, I can play stuff that people's mind would be blown, but you can't play in a dance club. And it's almost the same thing that I can, you know what, if I want to play a set that I would play normally in a club, I can do that. But if I want to play this super duper eclectic, I played a yacht rock set. You know, that was the highest rated set that I played all summer. Like, oh, it, was it was the so wildest good. thing to me for people saying, I didn't even know what this music was called. You know, oh, I didn't. Wow. I know all of these songs from my favorite movies, but I didn't know that this was a genre of music. I could have never did that in a club. No, and it was amazing too. Like you, your outfit, and then the yacht you had behind you. You had the sunglasses on, like, and the way you played the songs, and the way you would do little commentary about it. Like I watched that. I actually sent that set to a few people last night because I was going through some of your old stuff, and I'm like, 
how amazing is this? You know what I mean? We're watching Jazzy yeah. Jeff do a yacht rock set. Uh, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, so exactly, and even besides that, like when you did that private stock record set, like you yeah. you can like you know you're good at you're you're the best, but you're good at taking them on this journey where it can go up and down, and like you said, like a roller coaster and all that. But on these sets. The subtleties come out so much. So you're playing a sample yeah. and the sample gets chopped and it gets into something, but you have our full attention, eyes and ears, and you can just uh, convey like so much more through the music. It's mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. Like that set too. Like, yeah, you could do it in a club, but with people talking or going, oh, hey, how you doing, man? Like they wouldn't catch every little subtlety yeah. where it's yeah. like, no way. Even you did like... Uh, on your new year's uh new year's day set i think it was like bdp super ho and then the drums flipped yeah. to uh lauren hill lost lauren ones. hill and i was like what the hell and then like i saw these people <laughs> in the chat right like i never knew i never knew you know it's like you were going crazy and sonny james is in there he's another amazing dj who played that day yeah and he's like i didn't know jeff you're blowing my mind you know and uh things like that you know you're you're teaching us and you don't even have to say it on the mic you know it was like uh um, yeah just just crazy crazy stuff like that i think that exactly there's something something 90s ish about this time where everybody's yes. coming into who they want to be and you're noticing even the djs that you thought oh that's a bottle service dj that's a bay area dj that's a this kind of dj that got pigeonholed you get to watch them on mm -hmm. twitch and go damn they really do have their own personality yes. and they must have grown up yes. listening to this and wow their parents must have played this i would didn't even know they yes. knew about this you know and and even I noticed in the beginning, people felt very much like they had to be in the club and, and yo, put your hands yeah. up and like the same like edits. And then they realized, yeah. I don't need to use that edit. I don't, I can go out of this crate. I can yep. like be yes. myself, like actually yes. who I am and show people. Yes. And, and those are the people that get more viewers and, and listeners, I think when you're really authentically who you are, like, I think you've done a great job of that on streaming and that... I think that, um, you know, like DJ AM used to always say, like, um, mm -hmm. starve the ego, feed the soul. And the to soul. me, your stream has embodied that because you could have this big ego as Jazzy Jeff and be like, yo, I'm only going to do one show a month or whatever <laughs> it is. Like, but like you really have put yourself out there from every different kind of set, from day to night to holidays to to everything, to experimenting, to doing album release things or going yeah. over an album and and, yeah. and bringing Stro Elliott on and um you know Eric Robertson and like all all types of stuff. So I think that um you know like you haven't let your ego uh get in the way of just putting out pure music and goodness out there. Well, first of all, I'm trying to find someone who has the audacity to have an ego in the middle of all of this. <laughs> yes, yes, because but I'm if sure there's there. anything that can check your ego is COVID. Because right. I also, there's a side of me that I still get the calls from the promoters that are like, hey, I'm doing this festival in March and I want to book you. And I'm kind of like, did you cause COVID? And they're kind of <laughs> like, no. So how are you going to stop it? Right. Because I'm just trying to figure out you're making plans when none of this shit is in your control. 
Yeah. Like, have you like, not learned? So, you know, <laughs> you know, and I get it. I get it. You know, I, I have done a lot of studying just people's mentalities. You know, a lot of us, you know, uh, operate off of hope, you know, yeah. us, us, you know, and, and us booking our schedule and, you know, saying, you know, I talk to you tomorrow has become something that is kind of like, yeah, that like that, that there's no guarantee that that's right. even going to happen. So, you know, you just kind of start to put things a lot in perspective that, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, for me getting sick, you know, as soon as I was healthy enough to wake up in the morning and wake the kids up and let the dogs out, I would, I would walk out into the yard and I would look up in the sky and I would take a deep breath because I remember when I couldn't do that. And I yeah. appreciated that every day, you know, to the point that it was kind of like, I can sit here and complain about how bad it is. I can sit here and complain about how I haven't done any shows and this hasn't happened, but you know what? I am still here. And I have a lot of close friends that aren't, you know, is, right. When we were sound checking, I had to look at my phone because I texted a really good friend of mine on New Year's and hadn't heard from him. And he just hit me back and was like, I got it, you know, to, to oh. start to realize that, I, you know, I told my wife a couple of days ago that we are getting to this weird time that it's probably 50 50 of the people that I know, 50 percent of them had it. And 50% of them haven't. And I'm watching this meter just keep moving over and over, you know, and, and especially it's scary because there's no guarantee the people who get it, they're going to come through it. So, you know, I'm right. kind of like, yeah, Yo, you don't like, know. Uh, yeah. It's like no. whoever's body uh, uh, reacts to it like differently, you know, and that's a scary thing. That's why people are like, it's going to be fine or I'll be fine. But you just really don't know. And it's not worth it. No. Um, no. and, and like you yeah. said, like the the term I'll talk to you tomorrow has changed this year. And it, and like it started, obviously we've known it, but with Kobe Bryant and all the different, I mean, we lost so many amazing musicians and DJs, yeah. like oh legendary DJs that we look up gosh. to that, that it was surprising, you know, um, from, from just Indiana Jones to spin bad yeah. to all types of people, you know? And I think, um, you know, DJ AM was one of the big DJs that was the surprise passing away, you know, at, yeah. at the time. And now this year has really shown us like, don't take things for granted. The things no. that you think are valuable may not be as valuable as some of the things you already have from family to health to like, you're worried about a few extra dollars. I don't know if, you know, it might not matter in the long run, I guess. And and it's funny because what I tell a lot of people is when I was laying in the bed, not knowing if I was going to be here, I was praying for health. I wasn't praying right. for wealth. Yes, exactly. Like, I was kind of like, you. I don't need none of this shit. I just need to be able to, to take a walk with my wife and my kids. And, yeah. and, you know, that's one of the things that I said, you know, this puts so much in perspective for me, you know, of... We, you know, you know, we, we're not in the healthiest profession. You know, a right. lot of us drink, a, you know, a lot of us eat horrible. A lot of us don't get the proper rest, you know? Um, yeah. but even from a mental health point, you know, a lot of us don't, you know, 
we don't spend the time with our families like we are. We, we're always putting putting things off. And I think this was something that it made me kind of, you know, like it was funny. Like I remember the the way that I've always worked was how I thought everybody else worked. And I remember having a conversation with A-Track and he was like, man, I don't know how you do it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, the longest stretch that I might do is four days straight. Like if I'm, if I'm on tour, I may play four days straight and that's rare before I have to take a couple of days off. And I've done tours in the UK that I played 22 straight days in oh, 22 yeah. different countries. Yeah. Because I'm thinking everybody does that. Right. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize until all of this that it's been, if I'm going from March and we just got to April, it's been pretty much 10 months that I slept in my bed. I've never done that in my entire life of DJ 10 months that I slept in my bed, 10 months that I've eaten breakfast, lunch, and dinner in my house, you know, 10 months that I spent with my wife, you know, I've never done that. And, and for me to sit back and was like, wow, Jeff, you know, you were really tripping, you know? And then I started to think, you know, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't get too spiritual. I remember my wife and I saying, I feel like, Somebody was trying to tell us, you're doing too much. You're doing too yes, much. And totally. we weren't listening. And then it was kind of like, you know what? I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit all of y'all down. I'm going to sit the entire, you think you're running this? You think that you're in control. I'm going to push the button and I'm going to sit everybody down because I need you to see some things. I need you to think about some things, you know, and, you know, I, I you know, from, from my perspective, I got it. I got it. You know, 2020, I heard you. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just like, yeah, exactly. Life will always teach you a lesson one way or another, Mm. you know, and this was the worldwide lesson. And I think anyone who didn't get anything out of this is missing out, you know, and I hope nobody, they didn't get sick, but, but mentally you should learn from it. And I've had a lot of DJs come and say the same thing. Z trip said the same thing. I've never slept in my bed, slept in my bed this many times in a row, eating at home this many times in a row. Not, he said, I'm a million something miler. I haven't been to the airport since April or March, you know? And I'm like, same. It's, I haven't known my wife or kid to the point where I've been home for more than five days. I've never been home for a week straight, you know? So now I'm (laughs) like, Hey, I'm here with you guys. Um, (laughs) like it or not, but yeah, it's, um, the same thing, you know, you just have to look at what came out of it, you know, and then, uh, go from there. And, and hopefully we've learned some lessons. I mean, what do you think you'll take from this going forward and i don't even like saying when things get back to normal because i don't think things will get back to normal i think we're in normal right now it's gonna be different it's an evolution we're we're in 2021 so whatever happens this year is gonna be normal i don't think we're going back but uh what do you we're never going back to that 
right? Don't you think? Like people are no. like, you know, what's going to happen when DJing comes back and this and that? I'm like, I don't think that's. I think you know we we've learned a lot this year and we're going to take it into our new life <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What do you think? Like, what are you going to take out of it? Um, like, you know, in addition to some of the stuff you just mentioned. I think just moderation. You know, I don't think that I'm going to look at it like I'm supposed to be on tour 10 months out of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, right. I don't think it's a thing of, you know, okay, it, it, I need to make every dollar that I possibly can, you know, right. because you realize that that's, you know, that's not it. I think, um, you know, I almost think that I needed to be slowed completely down and then add stuff in, you know, slowly to make sure. Because, you know, there for a long time, I felt like I wasn't working for it. It was working for me. Yeah. Or let, no, let me, let me flip that around. It wasn't, it, 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 I was working for it instead of it working for me. Um, right. You know, I right. was, you know, you almost felt like I was the slave to, Whenever somebody called, it's kind of like, how can you turn that down? How can you not do that? And, you know, and I've realized, you know, that there were, you know, my wife has gone to some of her friends' weddings and birthday parties completely without me because I'm working. And that really wasn't an excuse. Yeah. You know, when I think about it, it was kind of like that really wasn't an excuse. Like that was, you know, sometimes you kind of be like. This this is this is the most important thing, um, you know, and I think that's the main thing that I'm I'm realizing It's just putting things in perspective. You know, it's, it's you know, and everybody has their own perspective. So this isn't for everybody to do. It's just one of those things that I realize, you know, I kind of. You know, I, I, I really look at it as simple as I felt like I was on my deathbed and I would not be here if it wasn't for my wife. So like DJing didn't save my life. You know, the clubs didn't save my life. The promoters didn't save my life. My wife saved my life. So, you know, I kind of need to come from that perspective and then go out instead of making my wife and my kids and my family be last on the list and get the scraps. No, you get you get it all. And I'm going to give the rest of the world what's left over. Yeah, that's so true. That's something I've learned from this as well. Like, like don't it, it, like the dollar was always the top thing. Like, oh, I can't turn yeah. this down. There's a crazy opportunity or or this much money. Yeah. <laughs> but really, did it? I don't even remember some of those things now. You know, and I do remember yeah. what I, I sometimes I remember what I missed more than what I did. If that makes sense. And I'll be yeah. like, oh, I can't go like you said to that party or meet with these people or do this, and I'm so busy. You know, so yeah, it, it, I think. Um, the balance is something that that we can take out of this, um, and the the ability to to balance and let family be just as important uh, and health be just as important as yeah. the money and the jobs. The um, the one thing that I can say that I think I enjoy a lot, it, you know, especially with the streaming. This makes me feel, and you kind of alluded to it before, this kind of makes you feel like when you first started. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when we were making mixtapes on cassettes and trying to figure out how do we duplicate them and who does the cover and how do we get them in fat beats and how do we, there was so much excitement of the unknown that yeah. we appreciate it. And I think, you know, you get to a point that it's kind of like, I kind of, you get older and you kind of want to know what's going to happen. And I, I almost feel like, you know, the whole streaming thing, because, you know, watching, you know, I, you know, even when we did that recap and I was like, look at what we were doing on the, 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 the do over video, look at the way we were, you know, we didn't understand frame rate. We didn't understand, you know, you know, you didn't oh, realize crazy. how yeah, important I, your internet was. And just, you know, it was so many of those things that you got into that. It was kind of like, you know, what, what, what I realized, and this is no knock to the club owners or the promoters, but what I realized is you're a DJ who's also a promoter, who's also a club owner. Like we have been forced to take every last one of those jobs and adapt them to ourselves. Yeah. The promoter can't do that. The promoter doesn't DJ. Right. Like now the DJ can become the promoter. He can become the club owner because now it's kind of like you have to do that. And I think, you know, it was interesting in watching, you know, I think most of the time that was spent over the past nine months is me having conversations with other DJs trying to promote them to stream. You know, yeah. I mean, I had, I had a really good friend of mine that had a residency at a club and, you know, and I had to say to him that I'm like, you do understand that the club owner and the club promoter is home right now watching your replacement. Right. Because right. you're not doing anything. Like, yeah, exactly. you know, I, I had a conversation, you know, with a, a, with a very good friend of mine that said, you know, what I realized is I'm learning about a whole bunch of DJs that I did not know that are really, really dope. And some of the most legendary DJs you haven't heard from in nine months. Yes. And I realized that it's so many people that are kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to wait until everything goes back to normal. And I'm right. kind of like, what if it doesn't? Yeah. Exactly. Like, what if, what if it doesn't? Right. Or what if this is a new skill that you're going to need in the future to help you? You know what I mean? What if gigs, the money and the things don't go back to, even if we're allowed to go out? What if it's you're not in the same income level as you used to be? But if you knew all the skills for the streaming, maybe you yep. could figure out an offset. I mean, I've seen the way you've taken your entire business um online i mean just your merch store now is unbelievable yep. yeah. you got the dopest merch the way it's laid out the way you drop things uh the way you're doing your vip zoom room on twitch i mean your yeah. stuff is really advanced like you said i watched the recap i saw wow look at what it looks like in <laughs> april yeah. that's crazy it looks all yeah. different the, yeah you know and then seeing what it's got to and with the yacht rock and the holiday being yeah. able to put on the show you did a couple of days ago on the with Stro yeah. Elliott, with Eric, yeah. uh, with the green screen and the picture behind him yeah. and the yeah. DJ popping up. I mean, that was a whole world. I was immersed in a world. That was you know? a festival. 
that was a festival. That was a festival. Yeah, and that was better than a festival. You know, it was yeah. it was amazing. It was a TV show, but way beyond some traditional TV show. No, no TV show could do that. The Grammys always try to put on something, and you're like, yeah. that sucked. That was amazing. You yeah. know what I mean? If I w- yeah. if the Grammys did something like that, I would watch the whole thing. I mean, I was but so see, into that's it. That's the you thing know? that I try to explain to DJs. Y- yeah. You know better than anybody else what makes people move. You know in advance that the third song that I'm going to play is going to be so much of a curveball that people are going to lose their mind. You have all of that insight. Now you have the ability without a promoter, without a club owner, and without people basically telling you what to do to express that. Yeah. That that's the part that I'm kind of like, wow, like this is really cool. You know, this is I have not had this much fun playing music in a really long time. And and Trust me, I'm one of those I'm one of those guys that I have stayed my course that I don't really play a lot of stuff that I don't like um because right. and and I'll deal with the consequences of that. Yeah. I'm never going to put a round peg in a square hole. I'm never going to come to an event that you expect me to do this and I do something else. I'm not going to like I don't have to prove my point that way. I'd rather of turn course. the date down and not do it if it does not fall into my wheelhouse. But, you know, you do get those times that you start to feel like the walls are closing in because, you know, social media, as great as it is, has kind of made everybody believe that they know what they want. They, You know, everybody, a new album comes out and all you see is the the critics of it and everybody's the critic like i'm yeah. kind of like yo what happened to the time when i liked it or i didn't you know it wasn't yeah. like well you should change that you should know like this is for you to either like or you don't like but right you started to watch that but i really feel like we're in a time now that so much of that control is in your lap like you know us sitting down planning you know, it's it's really, you know, my wife and I that sit down and we kind of map this out like, OK, you know what? I looked at the calendar. I started looking and realized that everybody in the world was playing on New Year's Eve. And then right. I looked at the calendar and I said, wow, you know, what's crazy. New Year's Day is a Friday. And yeah. I've always subscribed to this thing. Halloween, well, first of all, September, you go back to school. We all still have that mentality. Time to go back to work, go back to school. October right. is, is, is Halloween. That's the first yep. holiday. Then we yep. go into Thanksgiving. Once Thanksgiving comes and everybody get together, now it's the holiday season. And then you got a month until Christmas. And then you got a week until New Year's. After New Year's, the only thing that you're looking forward to, especially on the East Coast, is it to get warm again. So we have nothing. We have nothing in January. I quietly started touring right after Christmas because what I realized is there were so many people that were home in January kind of like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, yo, I'm in New Zealand rocking, you know, because (laughs) I wanted to take up that time that everybody has down. But to be able to sit and think 
Like, okay, so everybody's going to wonder what are they going to do on Friday? You know what, babe? I think I want to stream on Friday and I don't want to stream by myself. You know, that was another one of the things that I know way too many incredible DJs and performers that is kind of like, this isn't about me. I, it's, this isn't, it's not just my job to keep everybody in the house or keep everybody entertained. Like right. there are so many. And what I do love is, you know, we, we did something we we produced um, Wingstop, which is one of our sponsors. They had a festival in the summer, Wingstop Wing Day, and right. we you know we put together the lineup, and you know trust me, it was the most stressful thing in the world. You know people's <laughs> internet connections because it was so early on, but Craze was on it, Mister Thing was on it, Z Trip was on it, Puffy was uh, on it. Yeah, Puffy. It was, yeah, it, I remember. It was amazing to watch people that were kind of like who the hell is dj puffy and where has he been oh my god and i really enjoy that you know we there's a lot of people that don't know everybody i mean i you know it's it's crazy i still would get people that will be in comments that are like oh shit i didn't know he dj'd about you like even still about me (laughs) so you know and i and i but but me understanding that makes me understand that sometimes what you want to do is you want to put people in positions to play music for people who don't know who they are and they gain fans scratch bastard came back to me after streams like oh my god i got a thousand new followers you know just from that stream there were people that were like i don't know who eric robeson is but that was amazing i don't know what stro elliott just did but where can i follow him like you know, I, I think this is one of those times that I don't think people pay attention that everybody in the world is sitting down. Yeah. Everybody in the world is home. Like if there is a time for you to show everybody what you can do is right now with everybody sitting down, people not being out the house. And I swear as a tip for everybody, this has never been more prevalent than January, February and March of this year. Because I honestly feel like we're about to go to the worst part of this virus that we've ever been in January, February, and March. So, hey, give people something to do. Like, let people know what you can do and and how you can do it. You know, it's, you know, if, if I could do this every day and put different people on, you know, I would. You know, I'm doing the best I can of trying to reach out and grab whoever I can, you know, to play. Here, play an hour. Play an hour for these people, you know, it, it, because you, you, I've gotten so many messages from people that were like, you don't understand. I don't know what I would have done if I was stuck in this, in this house. Like, there are people that have literally been in the house by themselves for nine months. That's crazy. You know, I don't, I, know. I don't, yeah. I, yeah I, I don't know if I could deal with that, you know? So no, giving no, them yeah. a little level of peace and some music and something, you know, you almost yeah. feel like you're obligated to do that. Right. And just the discovery, like, like that's the thing that gets boring is it's Groundhog's Day. It's the same thing over and over. But if they're finding new music, like you're putting on Stro Elliott, Scratch Bassett for people who have never seen him before, Puffy for people who have never seen him before. Yeah. 
it's mind blowing. I remember the first time I've seen I saw them, and it's crazy to me. Yeah. And I've watched them during the pandemic a million times now, and I love it every time. Yeah. And in a way, I've gotten addicted to the the new discovery <laughs> of all these DJs. I love it. Like even with the podcast, yeah. I have people. Yeah. I've had people on that I'd never met before, and I'm like. They're like some of my favorite DJs now, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's closed the um, the gender gap a little bit too, because I feel like everyone's always yeah. like, "Yo, oh, that's a DJ. What did he say?" It's like now people a little bit are like, "Is it a a man or a woman?" Or you know, like there's yeah. a lot yeah. of female DJs that are killing really it. dope female DJs, really dope, Very and dope. not not like oh, I'm naked on the thing. Like doesn't matter, you know. They're just killing it from a really musical perspective and it kind of shows that maybe uh in the booking world it was a little skewed and it was hard for them to break down the barriers so i'm thankful for the streaming world because of that and it's it's kind of like when we were in myspace and we used to have our little player and we could put it out there and be like yo i discovered this person in new york and i met so many people from the myspace days as funny and stupid as it was i got to hear their remixes mashups little mixes they put in that player and that was our this is our MySpace, you know, but but way yeah. next level in a way. That was our and, SoundCloud before SoundCloud. Yeah, exactly. And then this is almost the full spectrum 360 where you get to know the person's uh, personality. And then also no one's telling you what to do. Like not everyone yeah. has the VIP Zoom room like you have. I mean, you have someone spotlighting people there's a guy jamming on a trombone over your set you know what i mean and you could see him and then you're there's five-year-old kids on their dining room table and then there's someone else in their backyard grilling up it's so cool you know to be interactive like that and you decided to do that You, you know a lot of people don't have the zoom a lot of people are on the mic the whole time. You know, everyone has their own style, which I think is cool about the Twitch mm-hmm. world. And this, not even just Twitch, just, I mean, because you stream everywhere, yeah. right? Like, you stream even on yeah, your I, own app and yeah. your website. Okay. I kind of look at it like um, all of these platforms are clubs. Wouldn't yes. you want to play in as many clubs as you possibly can? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, streaming for one person is better than streaming for no people. Right. So I don't care, you know, where it is. If you can put it up and you can get somebody's attention and give joy to somebody, you know, through something. This 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 is definitely to me one of the most selfless things. Like I I think you have to approach this for the people on the other side. The crazy yeah. thing about this is in a club you can see the people on the other side. This is a little weird because you don't know the amount of people. Like you can right. see one viewer. You don't know if it's 10 people watching that one viewer. Yeah, very you true. You don't know. You know what I mean? So it's so much of the unknown that there's a level of faith that you have to have that it you really need to look at it like, hey, man, I stream for two people. Tomorrow, I want to turn those two into four. And then I'm going to turn those four into eight. Like, that's the way that you have to have it. You almost can't come because you hear people kind of get discouraged that they're not coming into a room with seven, eight hundred people. Like, that takes time. People, you know, people have to trust you. People have to trust that this isn't a one-time thing. 
You know, yeah. you want people to have a level of consistency. And I think, you know, that was the thing that we just started. And, you know, it got to a point like this is what we're going to do and I'm going to stream and we're going to see. And it took maybe about five or six weeks and the phone started ringing. And that was a whole other thing that it was kind of like, okay, somebody just called and asked me to do a stream. I have no idea what to charge. I have no idea how to do this, you know, because at the same time, it's new for us. It's new for the people on the other side. Right. I ended up doing virtual proms and so many corporate, you know, functions that, you know, okay, I need to keep the workers in my company enthused. So I need somebody to play some music on a Zoom for a lunch hour. I did something for Earth, Wind and Fire on a Zoom. That was the first time I did anything on Zoom that gave me the idea of maybe you can play music and have people there because. Yeah. Before, you know, the crazy thing before streaming, we weren't shouting people out like that. No. Like, I almost feel like the shout out was super magnified by the streaming that, you know, and, and once again, D nice, D nice looking and hey, what's up, such and such. And hey, what's up, such and such. Like people really enjoyed that. And that became a level of engagement that I'm listening to the music, but I'm also chatting with my friends, you know, and. You know, that became the aha moment that you started to realize, like, there's this there's a level of community. You know, um, one one Friday night in the middle of the summer, you know, my wife and I was kind of like, OK, you know what? You know, kids, kids are in the bed. You know what you want to do? She was like, you know what? We should grab a bottle of wine and let's go in the room and turn on Twitch. And we had Twitch on our cell phones and I turned it on Apple TV. And we literally went club hopping. Yes. And I remember I went to, you know, Natasha Diggs page and she was yep. rocking. And then you shout Natasha out, you know, what's up, Jeff? What's up, Lynette? And we're yeah. like, oh, yo, what's up? And it's like, yo, oh, let's check out Rich Medina. And we click Rich Medina and Rich, you know, what's up, bros? You know? And <laughs> by the time we got to the third DJ, I looked at her and I was like, oh, my God, I'm in a multiplex club walking from room to room checking out all my favorite djs and guess what i don't have to drive home i don't have to <laughs> worry about having too much to drink matter of fact i laid in the bed and left shortcut on and fell asleep while he was <laughs> yeah. djing until he stopped but Amazing. i woke up the next day with a completely different perspective that i was like you know what i realized everybody who is a dj spider fan doesn't come to the club to see DJ Spider because sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes yeah. they're married. They got four kids. I got a job. Hey, you know what? My life isn't conducive to me going to the club watching you spin anymore. Right. But guess what? I can watch you every time you play right now. Oh yep. my God. I, I've gotten so many new fans from people that were like, I don't go to the clubs. I don't right. go to the clubs, but I get a chance to see you play. I get a chance to let my kid see you play. If you're playing in a 21 and over club and your kid is 14 and you're trying to explain to your kid how it was and how DJs were. And now you can just put it on your TV and be like, watch like that's the most amazing thing in the world to me. 
It's so true. And it like, that's exactly what's been happening in my house. Like I said, I have an eight year old son. He'll see me watching you and I'll have it coming out of the Sonos or whatever Bluetooth speaker I have. And he's watching the whole thing. And it's funny because he'll tell me, oh, I went to school and I asked my friends like, or, or virtual school or whatever, but uh, how many <laughs> DJs do they know? And he's like, they only knew Marshmallow and this guy. So I told him about, you know, Jazzy <laughs> Jeff and Scratch Bass. I'm like, I don't know. You should say bast- bastard at school, but but like you know, he's like knows all these people from it, and that's something I probably wouldn't have been able to share with him, yeah, until way down the line, yeah. you know. And, and and the virtual club hopping thing is unbelievable. Like I get to number one, yeah. I can support all my friends, so I could keep all the tabs open. I can subscribe. I'll be like, here you go, five bucks, five bucks, five. I'm gonna give everyone yep. five yeah. bucks. Help out their channel. Go on the hype train, and I don't have to be like. Oh man, even in LA, like I can't make it out to more than three spots in a night. You know, yes. if, even if yes. I got, if you're in town and then Scratch Bass is in town, and then Grand Theft is in town, I got to go, okay, I'm going to go to Avalon and then over to, here we go, House <laughs> of Blues. I'm dead and I'm tired. And, yeah. and, and, pl- yeah. and then you run into those people you don't really want to talk to and you're like, oh, how yeah. you been? Okay, okay, I got to go. You know, this way, you're in the chat room, yeah. you can say what up, dip out and support yeah. them actually too. I'll, you know, buy the shirt. Give them the sub, you know, and do all that too, which is is pretty amazing. So and, there's and a lot. Like of- you said earlier, I don't think this is going anywhere. I think the one thing that we have to be aware of is yeah. if the clubs open back up, streaming is just going to be side by side with the clubs. There's not going to be a club that's going to open up that's not going to have a streaming component in it because they can't afford to miss out on that. Like there are more people that you're reaching outside of the streaming world. I mean, reaching inside the streaming world that you'll reach in the club, you know? So it's, I almost think that, you know, this is one of those things, you know, I, I was, I was never the person that, you know, when EDM came out, I said, I'm not playing hip hop anymore. Like right. whenever a new genre of music comes out, I add, I never take anything away. I am never taking any kind of good music off the table to putting something else in. I got to figure right. out a way to put all of this stuff in. That is exactly the same thing with streaming, that this is about to be a thing that is kind of like you need to find out as much as you can about this because this is not. This is not going away. I've, I've right. had people tell me, which was really mind boggling, that they were like, listen, I got to be honest. When the clubs open back up, I'm not too sure if I'm going out. Right. Like, I'm not I've, too sure. I've heard that, too. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, there are people that are kind of like and 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 I don't know if you realize, but I, I started paying attention that like on the Friday night stream, just how many people have hooked their their house up. Yep. There are people that got lights and sound bars and I yeah. understand how to cast it to the TV that I'm kind of like, yo, I'm DJing, but you actually own the club. So yeah. you make your sound how you want it. You make your lights how you want it. And to watch the people that really embrace that, that now are kind of like, you know what? I may not go to the club. I may invite 20 people over to my house to watch you play. Right. So we don't, you know, it, this is so much of an unknown, you know, of where we're going to end up, you know, yeah. and what's going to open back up and 
Right. You know, and what's possible, crazy. like like you said, there's places like Taiwan or New Zealand that are open now and and have the ability to have people play live. And yes, there's always something to people being more social beings, so being with each other and being live. But I wonder if the business part of things is, are going to embrace it more, like the booking agents, the club owners, and all of that, where maybe you could say, yo, this is the Jazzy Jeff yacht rock show we're selling this out to 10 clubs around the world because i can't be in singapore this that and you don't necessarily want to travel like you did before okay we got enough bandwidth for 10 nightclubs to broadcast the jazzy jeff yacht rock show it safely in those places where it's back open they can design the club how they want have the speakers how they want have as many tvs you know that you're going to put on this amazing specific show for a specific amount of time and then it could be around the world. Like, why can't that happen in the future? Maybe, you know, once it's yeah, back I mean, to I think all of that safety. is on the table. Yeah. All of that is going to be on the table because, you know, I think right now the smart, the, the smart club owners, the smart promoters are thinking of, you know, it's, it's just like we had to think about what does our business look like? They have to do the same. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and just me telling people just, you know, realizing that so many of our favorite venues aren't going to be there when we come back. Like I keep telling people like, okay, just because outside opens back up, don't mean that you're going back to work because that club that you played at on Friday. Yeah. They weren't going to pay that $35,000 a month lease for nine months and it not be open and they lost it. And it's about to be a restaurant, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I remember telling my wife, and, and, and when I thought about this, it tripped me out. When I was coming up and I started DJing, we didn't have any clubs. Right. None. We had ballrooms. There was yeah. a ballroom. There was a YMCA. There was a gym that someone brought a sound system in and you played. It wasn't until I got older that somebody made a club for us to go into. So yeah, I true. really think this may go back to... You might go to Fridays on a Friday night and they move all of the tables and somebody bring in a sound system. And that's where the party's going to be, because I don't know if we're going to have the clubs. Yeah. And there's going to be a bunch of new DJs who have learned <laughs> this, you know, taking controllers and been inspired by Twitch probably. And and now they're a DJ and now the guy's roommate is a DJ or his cousin. And they're like, like you said, OK, well, he'll do it for for this much. It's it's definitely going to be a different world uh, going back once things are somewhat safe in America. I mean, it is weird. Like, I wonder, you know, um, I don't have any judgment on this, but um, Mm -hmm. some people have asked me before, like, how does it feel to have DJs in, let's say, Texas or Florida kind of going all out DJing like normal with no one masks and everyone's doing it. But then like in California or New York, we're not allowed to do anything like should those DJs feel bad? Are they just trying to feed their family and make it work like that's a hard debate, and I don't know if there's a right it's answer. It's a very right? hard debate. It is. It's very hard because, you know, I, I don't know what I would do if I was in a position that some of them are in. Right. So that's not necessarily to pass judgment. It's just exactly. one of those things that there's a side of me that I'm kind of like this isn't. I I I I chose 
my my health and my safety over money. Right. Like I can't fault anybody else who got, you know, backed into a corner and it was kind of like, well, I got to do whatever I got to do. Um, you know, it was, like I said, it was a little bit different for me, you know, because I was sick and I know, you know, firsthand experience that I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, right. But this is also one of those things you know, that I realized that we are so much not in control and, and that like, it was, it was crazy, but is we are not in control. And, and, and I think it's hard sometimes for people to grasp that, you know, I think that's, that's the call of someone telling you, you know, yeah, you know, we, we, we didn't do the UK tour in the spring last spring and we're going to hold off and do it this spring. And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> like, you know, you yeah. just kind of like, uh, so yeah. you know something I don't know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I remember getting calls in April and people are like, yo, we're opening a club in May in the Bay Area. We want to book you. And I'm like, you have you? have do you see what's yeah, happening yeah, right now? Yeah. And this was in April <laughs> exactly. and May. I go... I'm sure you're not opening a club in May. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but yeah. I don't think you're opening a club this year, but let alone in yeah. May. And they're like, no, no, it's going to be fine. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. So yeah, people yeah. are, I think people like to control things. I mean, that's what the human nature. There's people that are control freaks yeah. and, and they, they just, that's what they get something out of trying to control. But the the more you can realize you're not in control of anything, but the things you are in control of, like the streaming or putting together your yeah. own club in your house, let's just focus on that. That's the thing that'll bring yeah. you happiness and bring other people happiness and and bring you peace in your mind, I think. Because if you focus on what you can't control, you're just going to go absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is yeah. Wild. It's nuts. <laughs> Well, I mean, we could talk about, I'm sure we will talk about it more in the, in the podcast. Um, but I mean, just some other things that I think people want to hear you speak on. There's like so many different Mm -hmm. topics and, um, um, you know, a lot of it we, we alluded to earlier with, um, the way that you approach your DJ sets, you know, and that Mm -hmm. you, you're a master of taking people on a journey, um, and really, taking them on a journey musically uh, the vibe like all of it beginning a beginning and end you know big mm-hmm. parts that they can react to um can you speak on that like about i guess throwing in curveballs into your sets how far ahead you think during your sets and things that that you've learned over time that you implement in your dj sets I, I realized a long time ago that no one walks out of the club talking about the Drake record you played. <laughs> like yes. they, they walk out of the club talking about that unexpected record that you played that you weren't supposed to play. You know, so that was the, the, the curveball analogy for me. It's kind of like you want to give people something that they remember. You know, yep. it's your favorite movie is not your favorite movie if you put mute on so it goes to show you how important the music is to creating those scenes so i kind of look at that the same way in a club like how can you build up this anticipation how can i play this you know um and 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 rope you along how can you know realizing that 
people need a break that there are a lot of DJs that don't think about, I'm going to actually add an, a break into this set. I'm going to break this set to the point that I want you to stop dancing. I want to break you away so you can go get a drink. You're, they're never right. going to leave, you know, and that's the misconception. I started going out and watching DJs play on nights that I had off. And I didn't necessarily pay attention to the DJ. I paid attention to the crowd. And I've watched people socialize and drink. And sometimes we as DJs chase euphoria. Like I want to throw something on. I need the eyes and the ooze. And I'm chasing it so much. And if I don't have it, I think that I'm doing a bad job. And I thought like that until I sat and watched somebody just play music. And I was like, these people are really enjoying themselves. They don't have to tell you that they're enjoying you. They can close their There's Sometimes you'll go to a show like people aren't jumping off the seat in a Sade concert. People right. are sitting there with their eyes closed and to so soaking up the vibe and they walk out like, oh, my God, that was amazing. You know, and sometimes I think we chase that euphoria so much that we don't give those moments. And it yeah. took a second for me to understand, like, you're OK. You're OK. You know, I was somebody that when I came up, I wasn't. I never played reggae and it wasn't because I didn't like it. Reggae had so many levels to it that it was just kind of like, yo, like I can't, I can't add all of that in with all of this other stuff that I'm doing. Right. But what I realized is for someone who doesn't like reggae, when a DJ throws a reggae set on in the club, they don't leave. You go get a yeah. drink, you dance with a girl. All you're doing is buying your time until they, they play something that you like. And I've really looked at it like if somebody books you for a four hour set, look at it like four 30 minute blocks. If you can satisfy somebody extremely well for 30 minutes, they're going to walk out of that club and say he rocked it. So now I got That's four true. different groups and it's almost like I want to see the front change four different times because I want to go down four different paths. I want to figure out a way that I'm playing a mob deep record and I end off playing a house record and somebody's like, I'm just trying to figure out how he got there, you know, but I pay attention to the time. How long do I have to play? That was one of the things I would always ask people, you know, I got a road manager. How long do I have to play? Okay. You got two hours. Okay. Um, and they would give me a, a, a check, you know, you got an hour to go. You got 30 minutes to go because to me, it was very important to start, have a middle and have an ending. There is nothing more frustrating to me than someone coming to me saying you got 10 minutes because I'm kind of like, I can't end in 10 minutes. I'm right in the middle of this and I, I got to land the plane like and I'm not trying to have turbulence coming down so fast to land the plane. You know, right. it, it's it it's I need the time to do it. And I'm also somebody that it's not important for me to smash tonight. And all the other DJs don't. So there are so many times that I'll play a set around the opener. 
instead of the other right. way around. I'm listening to what he's playing, and my whole thing is like, okay, you got this popping. Let me pick off of what you're doing and continue the night on because I want the night to be good. It doesn't make sense if I'm good and he's bad. So it's right, kind of right. like I need the night to be good. So there was there's so many things in my head that I'm always thinking about. And I realized that I feel like in the 80s and in the 90s, it was about the DJ. And I feel like what happened in the 2000s, 2010, and now in the, in the 2020s, it's more about the people you're playing for. Like I've realized mm -hmm. that my DJ routines have went from me doing this amazing juggle to how well do I piece these records together? Right, because right. I realize yeah. that when you get a 22-year-old female that comes up to you and say, oh my God, how you put that together with this was amazing, that, that was an impact. Like, I never used to get 22-year-old females to come up to me and be like, yo, that juggle was off the hook. You know, if you did, you give them a fist pound. But for the most part, you <laughs> right. started kind of realizing, you know what, I kind of need to, I kind of need to shift my sets to be more about what you're enjoying and not necessarily, you know, me showing off or doing that. Those, you know, those, how you said DJs read the room. Those are the rooms that you read. You you know, you know, you know, if I'm in that underground club in Germany, you know, yeah, we're going to get a couple DJ routines and all the rest of that and everybody's going to rock. If right. I'm in this bottle service club in Italy, you might not get a routine at all. Right, right. You know, but th it's, it's the same level of enjoyment for both of the people because you are the one that made the decision you know, what to do. And I think, you know, from the streaming perspective, that is more so the hardest thing of, okay, what am I going to do this week? What do I want to do this week? Yeah, that, that has, that's been hard for me to almost the infinite nature of everything where yeah. like it, it, that's what happened with ableton i remember i used to make beats on mpc and i'd be like i just bought these 10 records because that's all i could afford and i only have these <laughs> drums and i have this zip yeah. disc with this many things and i'm gonna oh i found four samples i could chop on pads yeah. and i made so i was so productive and i felt so accomplished and then sometimes i'll be like whoa i got nine million drum sounds every plug-in on earth i can't even make yep. anything yeah and with yep. the streaming I, I started to feel like that like uh well i'm just gonna be me and play everything and then i was like what what is everything i don't even whoa i got too many crates oh am i because before it was like you were saying I'm, I'm doing a private party for uh netflix or i'm at a bottle service club in vegas okay i kind of have guidance even though yeah but now wow it's all over the yeah. place and that's why to have these Halloween set, yacht rock set, or whatever, however you want to approach it, it does seem like the streaming, you got to uh, stick with a theme to keep your sanity in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it was funny taking record crates out. I would take three record bags and it was a hundred records in each bag. And I used to yeah. have a hip hop bag. I would have a hip hop reggae and reggae and um, 
almost a house bag and then you would have almost an R&B bag that you would pick between but you only could pick the records that were in your folder I mean right, that was right. in your crate yeah the early days of Serato when you realize that I am in the club with 412 crates of records <laughs> you were like I have no idea what to play yeah, like, you get paralyzed. You were almost like when I had that record box, this was the best thing in the world because this is what I dealt with. And I literally started making my Serato like my record box. Like right. I only put a certain amount of things in here. This is kind of this feel. And, you know, if, if people looked at my crates, you wouldn't under like I don't have like the 90s hip hop crate. My crate will have a name of a club or an event that I did that I know what that is, that okay. most of my sets are me going in and out of 40 different crates because it might right. be like, oh, man, this is great. Oh, man, let me go in here and grab this block of records and play this. And in my brain, I'm kind of like, oh, man, I can come out of that and come into here. Like, is that around the same tempo? Yup. Oh, man, that's good. Like, that's a lot of times you'll catch me smiling because I'm kind of like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I already <laughs> know, you know, I already have this. Um but yeah, you know, it, it that can cause you really great anxiety of trying to figure out, you know, okay, what am I going to do? You know, but, you know, I, I think what made it easier is I don't feel like I'm playing for myself as much as I feel like I'm playing music for people to enjoy. Right. You know, that is kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I'm not necessarily playing music for people to dance. You know, it's... You know, I can play a slow set. I can play a, a house set. I can, you know, there's so many things that I've always wanted to do that you need that special event to do it. And now you just create the special event to give you the landscape to do it. Right. And then the people just find you and keep spreading the word and, and raid into your channel or, you know, whatever, yeah. all the new technology, it just keeps spreading. And, um, I know that's why I try to like, I'll film people's sets and be like, put it on my Instagram story. Like you need to see this. I don't think you realize <laughs> yeah. what you're missing right now. Like this is crazy. You know, like I'm watching, I get so inspired daily. I put my Shazam on auto Shazam sometimes and just oh, be like, man. I forgot about this song or, or what's this version? Or, I mean, my Spotify and all my, you know, beat source and everything has gotten yeah, crazy yeah. from, from me. And it's been fun actually with beat source because i'll find all these tracks i'll be like damn do they have it okay they don't have it. oh they do have this you know and uh yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's been fun you know even i had to do a i did a serato beat source uh set on twitch like a week or two ago and i tried to use only songs from beat source and there were some songs from like routines I do that weren't there, but then there were all these like live versions and I'm like, okay, maybe I mm. wouldn't do this in the club, but I could put together a crazy thing for yeah. Twitch only. So I found Wu-Tang live and then they, they break down and do this thing where they're like, woo, 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 tang, tang, tang. And then I'm like, oh, that sounds like art of noise. Okay. I'm going to chop up yeah. RZA and Ghostface <laughs> saying it, put yeah. it on my sampler. See? I mean, I wouldn't do that in a club, but, and yeah, then people yeah, in the chat absolutely. are like, that was crazy, you know? And, uh, 
you, you just you know it's just a time of creativity right now and and i'll do a set where i'll play drum and bass and people are like i didn't know you know about that yep. i'm like yo yep. all these crates behind me are all drum and i used to go to london and just spend all my money <laughs> yeah. on drum and bass people don't know who we are yeah. they know who we are yes. from the past five years 10 years 15 years 20 years but i mean like you said you've been doing it 30 years there's people that weren't alive that don't even understand yeah. the the musical evolution that you've gone through you know um so it's been nice to be able to introduce people to the different parts of ourselves and then to learn about yeah. them through it you know exactly um, exactly yeah and I think, like, speaking of that and the longevity of everything, um, I think you're very good at at staying tapped into the current and the future. Like you said, you, you don't say, oh, I'm not going to play dubstep. I'm not going to play EDM. You find the stuff that you like that has soul in it, that is good, that still is made for the right reasons and is funky, that you could mix with the older stuff. So, I mean, is that something that's really important to you to sort of teach the teach the history of the music and show how it progressed into right now and find stuff that you like that just came out this week and mix it with something from 30 years ago. It, well, it was funny. Like when EDM got really popular, I used to do EDM sets that I would throw in Cybertron. Yeah. And people would think that this is a new record. And I'm kind of like, you know what? This is when I realized I was getting older and the, you, when your parents start saying, there's nothing new under the sun. And I'm kind of like, you do not realize that so many of these trap records, Timbaland was making with Aaliyah. Yeah. Like, it, it's the uh, same oh, thing. Totally. The EDM records are Planet Rock and Cybertron and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Twilight 22. Like, so many of those all kind of fit together. So, I think I realized that a lot of the music that I love a lot of the music that I listened to coming up. I didn't like like, so there was shit. I didn't like in the eighties. There was shit. I didn't like in the nineties. Didn't like in the two. So I never took a different approach. There's right. a lot of music out right now that I love. There's a lot of music out right now that I don't care for, but you know right. what? I realized that I am not. And, and, and I don't want to get too philosophical, but my 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 feeling of the music business is it should never be a do all end all person to tell you what you should like or not like. I've always hated that A and R role of there is one person that can tell you I don't think the world should hear your music. That was one of the reasons why I really pushed independence. I really, you know, that was the birth really of what playlists kind of became because it was i know so many independent artists and beat makers and producers that are so dope that can go to a record company and a record company will say you know i don't believe it and it's kind of like yeah but you know what you start playing this shit out and everybody's asking what is this oh my god this is crazy you know i almost feel like it, it, it the, to me the job of a dj is to expose people to new music. It's right. up to the people to like it or not. You know, but you I I don't think it should be a gatekeeper to say you shouldn't hear this. You know, and, and that's right. that's how I feel with all art. You know, I don't care yeah. what someone says about a painting, you paint that painting. 
And, it, you know, it could be the next Mona Lisa and everybody in the art world can hate it. But guess what? You know, we're not doing things, you know, as DJs, we have all fell victim to us playing DJ sets for other DJs. Like I want right, my peers, right. you know, I want the respect of my peers. But, yeah. You know, producers who make records for other producers, the other producers aren't buying it. Like right, you kind of right. got to make it for the people who support you and not just your fan base. So I think, you know, so much of that of, you know, it's, I listen to everything. I listen to everything. Right. I don't like music being categorized. You know, unfortunately we do that to the point, you know, I, you know, hip hop was a category. Now right. we've got 47 different versions of hip hop we got trap hip hop we got the south hip hop we got old school hip hop we got 90s hip hop you know we got pop hip hop you know and right. I'm just kind of like I used to like the fact that I could go in Amoeba and you know I don't I didn't want it to be you know okay I'm looking for this record like if I'm looking for a specific record you know I hated the fact that if I think that this is a funk and soul record, but you're deeming it a jazz record, I can go in the funk and soul section and never find it and realize it's over there. I almost wish that I could walk in and everything in the entire store be in alphabetical order. Tell me, I know who the artist is. It's Billy Comham. Go to the B's. I'm not looking if it's Billy Comham in the soul section or the funk section. He's in the B section and I'm going to find right. what I want. You know, yeah. but that is almost the way that I compartmentalize music to play for people. I don't like, I don't like playing specific sets. You know, I, I like playing music. So much of this music is interconnected, you know, in a way that, you know, you can play a new disco tune with an old disco tune with an EDM record and a house record. All of those records are four on the floor and they make people dance. Like, the the terminology to me doesn't mean anything. Do you like the record? Does it make you feel good? Do you want right. to dance? End the discussion. And I think that keeps my sanity and that kind of, you know, I think people enjoy that. You know, people people yeah. get a kick out of being able to to go on these trips. I you know, I do. I do as as the 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 person in the driver's seat that, you know, it's kind of like it is not the most comfortable thing in the world, but some of the best sets were the ones that were 100% not planned. Yeah. It is extremely uncomfortable for me, but at the end of the day is when you come up with stuff like, and, and being a hundred percent honest, when I did the private stock stream, I had no idea what I was going to do. I winged that entire set. Wow, that's crazy. You know, but, but it was kind of It was like, amazing though. That's when the magic happens sometimes yes, though, right? Yes, like yes. and you yourself are getting the goosebumps or you yourself are getting that that rush of like this is dope. Oh, that just went with that and it yeah, literally yeah. translated out to us watching, you know, which I know it can be uncomfortable, but I guess maybe that's what's creating sometimes the magic right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's crazy. And and I mean, I think you're somebody that never stops, you know, like you um you're constantly getting better, I think, and and working at it and uh but remaining authentic and and all of that. Um what like 
what keeps you going? You know, like a lot of people are like, I know if I do this, I, I made it or I would have made it. But like, <laughs> what does that mean to you? I don't feel like you're one of those people <laughs> like I made it at this point. Like what keeps pushing you forward and what made it motivates you to keep getting better, even at scratching and every different piece of all of this art art form. You are never going to finish the game. Right. It is impossible to finish the game. So why not continue? Why not enjoy the game? You know what's funny? And 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 I I was a humongous sneaker collector. Humongous. Okay. Yeah. Once we started traveling, oh, that was the cheat code because what people didn't realize is when you go to London and you're looking for rare sneakers, you don't go into their sneaker boutiques. You go into their Foot Locker because their Foot Locker has just stuff made specifically for them. I remember going in the sneaker boutique in Australia and everything in there was stuff that I already had because I realized they can't get it. So it's rare to them. And I was just, I was super disappointed. And then walked up the street and walked in the Foot Locker and was like, what the hell is this? What is this? <laughs> and they're like, oh, you like that? You know, it's kind of like, well, your Foot Locker is very different than my Foot Locker. But yeah. it was one of those things that we started traveling. We started going to Hong Kong. I would go to Sneaker Street and you would go in all of these buildings and buy all of these sneakers. And it took about four trips and we went. And I walked in and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I got those. I got those, too. I, I, I got those. OK, all right, let's go to the street. All right, I got those. I got. Yes. And I was like, wow, this is crazy because I never realized how important the chase was. Right. Like you don't want to finish the game. If you that. know every scratch and every record and every transition and every blend, what are you DJing for? Like, yeah. you don't want to end the game. So I am always kind of like, I love, and the thing about this game for me is it could be a, a part of the game that I played 20 years ago and you did it today. And I was like, shit, completely forgot about that gotta bring that back like yep. it's never so true. ending you know it's never hey you know what that transition to this record this record just came out it was this record just coming out that spawned that transition between these two so it's a never ending cycle for me you know um and 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 it's always been like the the the, the big gift and the curse is i am such a technology geek at right. heart. I mean, this is the one thing that is kind of like, yeah, you know what? I think the revenge of the nerds, we are, we, we are in the prime position now because there was a point in time when people would kind of look at us because of, you know, the way that we approach stuff. And now it's kind of like you're in the driver's seat. You know, everybody's calling, asking you the questions because they know that you have the answer, you know, and, and I appreciate that. But it's kind of like that whole thing always breeds like, I don't know everything. I don't, you know, you said you, you know, there's a new program out. There's a new plugin, you know, there's sometimes new drum sounds make you make 20 new beats, you know, getting yeah, a folder totally. or, you know, a batch of samples kind of spawns 
you know, creativity. It's the same way that I can listen to a DJ online and he can play. And there's 10 things that I take out of that. I want to make this record. I want to do this remix. And I want to play this record with this one, you know, because that really goes together. But yep. keeping your brain open, you know, it also, you know, it, it, it also is refreshing for yourself because like I said, it's, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get tired. Like I'm not tired of DJing. I'm not frustrated. It's, you know, I've, I always looked at it like you, you quit a job. I, I hate when I hear people say that they quit, you know, I quit. Oh, I don't DJ no more. I, because I'm kind of like, you quit a job. You don't quit an art. Yeah. 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 You may not DJ in front of a crowd anymore, but I don't ever think there's going to be a day that I don't DJ. Right. You know, it was, it was, it was the wildest thing. Maybe five days ago, Will hit me and was like, yo, you know, since we all in the house, I kind of want to get a little small controller that I can just play music. And how Will has always DJed, always, always right. knew how to DJ, you know, and I really got a kick out of that because, you know, I was like, OK, this is what you should get you know, get this, such and such, and blah, blah, blah. Let me know, you know, once you get that, I'm going to drop box you a couple folders and some music so that you have it. He sent me a video of him DJing. He right. was like, dude, I feel like a nine-year-old kid. <laughs> like, he was like, DJing. Like that excitement? His, that, you know what? And that is what I'm talking about. Like, that's the, that's the thing that you do not lose when you have it, that you know, that keeps you going. Yeah, no, you know, it's so true. You know? Yeah. No, that's like, I'm, I remember meeting uh, meeting little John in New Orleans, and I had just DJed, and, and I remember him watching me. They were like, little John's here, and I had this, like, thing I was doing at the time with um, Snap Your Fingers, and I would play the beginning of it, then flip to the acapella, and then put three different beats under it. And I would mm. put like Khalees on Bossy because it kind of sounded like it. And then I would drop out, put another thing, and then I would end with um, I think it was um, uh, Def Leppard, Pour Some Sugar on Me, because the guy would go dun 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 hey! And then Lil John would be like, hey! <laughs> and I would make him go back and forth. I'd be like, hey! 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 And I'm like, and I don't know Little John at the time, and I'm like, he probably doesn't want to hear himself over Def Leppard. He's going to think I'm an idiot, but I'm going to do this right now. And so I remember doing it. It led, you know, long story short, it led to us becoming friends. He loved it. I ended up going to his house, showing him Serato. He's like, I used to be a DJ. You know, I, I worked mm -hmm. at So So Deaf as an intern. I came up as a DJ. He told me his whole history. I was like, I didn't even know that. Wow. But but just the the reason why I'm telling this, because like you said, the first time I went to his house, I gave him these acapellas. I gave him whatever files I had in my Serato. I came back over a couple days later and he was like a little kid. Like you said, he had yeah. that, that 
twinkle in his eye and he's like i put red hot chili peppers over this beat it sounds crazy you gotta hear this he's jumping up and down i'm listening to it i'm like yes it like gives you that rush and he was like a little kid just rediscovering everything and then he's like we need to make a mixtape we need to make an 80s mixtape we need to make a a rock mixtape we should go (laughs) on the road we should do four turntables and i'm like yes i'm in on all this but it's the same thing you know like you're saying with will a week ago just getting back into to the DJing, that's not going to go away. You could quit, you could stop, you could postpone it, you could, but you're not going to, there's no quitting because that feeling no. is inside no. of all of us, uh, no, no matter what, from the, the most experienced DJ to someone who just started right now, you know? So, and yeah. same with the streaming. I, I, yeah, I tell people like, they're like, oh, I'm, a little, I'm too late to get on the streaming. I'm like, no, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, people have been opening pizza shops nonstop since the yes. beginning of pizza. Okay. And <laughs> exactly. there's always a new pizza shop. So, your Twitch is your pizza shop. You can make exactly. the same old pizza and be like, 99 cents tastes like everywhere else. Or you could put some crazy shit on there and add it in yep. and then be like, the crust that's tastes it. like this. And you're like, yo, that's pizza, but it's different. So, there's yeah, never yeah. too late to open your own pizza shop right now. Right. Ever. I mean, just. I love it, that. I'm taking that just so that you know. <laughs> Okay, we're gonna, we gonna start I having said. pizza conversations, <laughs> right? It's like it's always gonna keep yeah. going. I always find a new pizza I like. So same with Twitch. I find a new. Wow, this person's doing this on their Twitch. Oh, the Boom Bap Kids. Yeah. I never thought oh of this. Oh my god! Oh I need my to god. go back to this pizza the shop. First like these time guys. I saw that, I was like, "This is the coolest thing I ever seen in my life." Like ever. But but you know what? We would have never got that if it wasn't for this. Never. No. And you know what? Hopefully that ends up getting signed by HBO yes. and is on the Muppet channel because it should yes. be, you know, and that's yes. the best yes. way. I mean, the way they did the Christmas thing and Santa's DJing. Okay. Oh, we need God. this. You know what I mean? I was showing yeah. this to my kid. This is what it, I'm fine with these kids shows and yo Gabba Gabba and it's really dope, but come on, that was the real shit. And it's yes. amazing. Yes. You know, so it's always going to be different if you put your, if you're not afraid to put your own personality inside of it. Right. That's it. That is it. Um, and so, man, that, and, and so just like to come off of that, like we're talking about always learning. And I feel like collaboration now more than ever, even in 2020. Mm. And it was it was going into that. Producers were collaborating more than ever. DJs were yeah. coming together more than ever. Like how important is collaboration to you now? I, I mean, I, I think it's important, but y- you could speak on it. Listen, I, that. I had gotten to a point that I said, I am no longer making music by myself. Okay. Um, I realized that aside from Prince, I don't know of too many people that made music by themselves, especially the music that we love and revere. It's always been a group of people. Um, we technology has made us become a little bit more selfish that you think that you can do it. But you know, Coming from the producer background in me, I have always said that I know how to pro- I know how to play keys. I know how to program drums. If I know somebody that can program drums better, I'm getting them. Right. If I know somebody that can play keyboards better, I'm getting them. Like if my job is to make the best song that I possibly can, if I know I'm not the best, I'm going to try to find the best to make this song the best. I am not going to be selfish to the point 
because no one gives a shit that I did it. Right. Like that's the whole thing. No one, you know, I, you know, I played that bass. I, I, I did like, listen, if I got somebody that can play that bass better, I'm getting them. If, if yeah. someone can nail the feel that I want with this better than I can, I'm going to get them. So collaboration has always been at the forefront um, when it comes down to, you know, to making music. And, you know, even the best events that I've ever played wasn't because I played them. It was because I played them with such and such and such and such. And it was right. an amazing night. Oh my God, he came on and he did this. And then I came on and did that. And then the guy came on after me and did that. And it was just great. And then we went and got a grub and it was, you know, it was always one of those things that, you know, you realize, you know, like I said, you know, that was the backbone of, of, of the retreat. You know, it was the, the, the retreat was really spawned off of Red Bull three style, you know, okay. us, you know, going to Red Bull three style and being a judge at Red Bull's three style. The thing that I liked about it is the early days, you know, um, you know, as a judge, you know, or whoever the judge is, we would kind of just, you know, you would come in for the, the, the finals when it started to get to the point that all of us were in Chicago for the whole week. Yeah. That was different. I never spent a week with Z trip. I right, never spe right. spent a week with a track, you know, we would do shows and we would talk, we'd go to dinner, but a week you get a whole lot of shit done in a week. You can start talking. We started talking about good gigs, started talking about bad gigs, you know, good promoters, bad promoters, favorite yep. cities, favorite restaurants. Hey, what are you playing? I'm listening to this. You start swapping music. And what I started to realize with Red Bull 3 style is the camaraderie of all of us being together was the main thing that inspired me until the next Red Bull 3 style. And yeah. after, um, after we did a couple, it started to get to the point that I was like, I want to do, I want to have a DJ retreat, but I was kind of like, I don't know what that consists of. Like, I don't want to just invite people and we just kind of sit there. So I realized, I think I need to find somebody. So I called a good friend of mine, Aunt Demby, who puts together a lot of events. And I told him because I was like, you are the guy that knows how to curate this. So I'm going to give you my idea. And, and, you know, he's, oh, man, this is great. And we started talking like, okay, so if you want to get the DJs together, what do you want to give them? And it's kind of like, well, what do we all need? Well, we always talk about booking. You know, we talk about social media. So he's like, okay, so we should reach out to some social media platforms to have them come and kind of, so you almost did this checklist of like, you know, when you start talking to DJs, you know, I know a million DJs, most of us have cats or a dog, you know, a million DJs <laughs> yeah. that collect sneakers. Like it's, it's a, it's a line that's drawn to all of us that is kind of like, okay, we don't, we're not the most healthiest person in the world. So, okay, why don't we get a nutritionist to come to talk to us? Like with the way that we travel and the way that we work, how can we, you know, better serve so that we can kind of stay in shape? So it really started yeah. like that. Um, but this happened that my wife threw me a birthday party. She threw me a surprise birthday party that was probably the dopest thing that anybody in life had ever done. She That's planned amazing. it for six months. 
um, to wow. the point that I was really upset at the amount of people that were included and kept it from me. I <laughs> got booked to do a basketball game. It was funny. This was when KG and Ray Allen joined Paul Pierce in Boston. Their first game preseason was in London. Oh, and wow. I got booked to come over there to do color commentary for the game with my guy, Mark Webster, and Amazing. to do the, the preliminary party the night before. And, you know, I'm like, okay. at first I was kind of like, nope, this is in January. I'm not going to do it. My wife was kind of like, you should do it. I think that'll be really hot. It's like, okay. So I decided to go. Whenever I leave London, I'm on a 12, uh, uh, I'm on 11 o'clock flight. I land in Philly at two in the afternoon. All of a sudden that 11 o'clock flight was booked. I was hot. She's (laughs) like, you can't take that. You got to take the four o'clock flight. Because I already have a sleep schedule and all the rest of this. I was mad, you know. So I go to the airport. I take the 4 o'clock flight. I land. I get off the plane. My wife is waiting for me at baggage claim. Now, I got the crew with me. I got Dane with me. And and this is when Fern was out and Steve was out. And we land and I see my wife. And she's like, listen, you know, I asked you what you wanted to do for your birthday. You said you wanted to have a quiet dinner with your friends. Um... So, but I want to do something with you. So I was like, oh, okay. I thought that was pretty fly. So everybody left. I went with my wife. My wife drove around the corner and we pulled into the Aloft Hotel. I walked into the hotel, walked into a room. She had my suit up there. I took a shower, you know, and put my suit on. She took her shower, put her stuff on and we got in the car and we started driving. So I'm kind of like, we're in Philly. So I'm kind of like, okay, so we're probably going to go somewhere downtown Philly. So she gets on the highway and she starts heading towards the house. So now I'm kind of like, okay, you know, we live in Delaware. You know, she probably wants to go somewhere close to the house so we can, um, you know, just take care of the kids. Right. So we get into this deep conversation. And before I know it, we're pulling off at my exit. So I, we, I never say anything to her. So I'm kind of like, okay, she probably wants to drop something off at the house and then we're going to go. And we drive, we go, and I got a really long driveway. So she pulls to the edge of the driveway and she stops the car and she reaches in her bag and she pulls out a blindfold and she's like, happy birthday, babe. And I was like, thank you. And she was like, I need you to put this on. <laughs> so my brain is doing a million miles oh a minute God. like you right. know uh, uh, okay so i put it on and normally we drive back and we drive into the garage and i got a circle in the front of my house so i feel her turn and going around this circle <laughs> and then she stops and she was like happy birthday you can take the blindfold off and when i took the blindfold off it was two guys in red jackets and heat lamps parking cars and wow. i looked and i said ah because i knew i was like you got me and you like just watching them two i was like and i'm i can only imagine the level that you got me when i walked in it was everybody from my childhood on up Amazing. um 
I was on that four o'clock flight in London because all of my friends in London were on the flight that I would normally take. Wow. That's the reason why I couldn't take the first flight. I'm looking at people like I was just with you last night in London. <laughs> Crazy. But it was it was um, Moonchild is one of my favorite bands. You know, everybody right. saying happy birthday. She walked me into the living room and they sat me in this chair and I lifted my head up. And I see uh, some drums there. I see keyboards there. And I look up and I see Amber from Moonchild standing at the mic. And I'm so confused because I'm like, why is Amber in my living room? And they break into a full on show. Wow. I go in the basement. The entire basement is a club. Scratch Bastard, Z Trip, like you name it. So dope. A candy bar, a photo booth. Excuse me. That's unbelievable. Like it was so much, but it was so funny because the way that my brain works, the first thing I said to myself is, we could pull this retreat off. Yeah. I went completely outside of my birthday. And it was right. kind of like I realized that the 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 planning that my wife put into that, we we, you know, and I had, you know, some of the Serato executives came. Um, you know, to the party. And I mentioned it to them. And they were like, listen, we'd love to be one of the sponsors. We immediately pulled out a yellow pad and we started writing down the idea. And this was in January. And the first retreat was in August. Oh, wow. And, and it so was just at your like birthday, me. you were planning the playlist retreat. That, that was it. And but but it was really, you know, explaining to them that I was like, okay, this is going to be a tough pill for some of the sponsors to swallow. This is not about the sponsors. Yeah. It is not about the sponsors. It has to be about the participants. This needs to be 100% about the creatives that come and giving them everything that they need. And what I said is I guarantee you, if you make it about them, it's going to end up being about you in the long run. You just got to sacrifice in the beginning and make it about these creatives. And, you know, I literally picked up the phone and started calling people, you know, hey, I'm having this creative retreat and it, I just need to know if you would come. We're going to take care of all of the expenses and and people came. But it was kind of like no one knew, you know, you please don't tell anybody. It was very awkward because you were having it at your house. You can only have a limited amount of people at your house. You know, this was so new that it was kind of like we had to kind of keep you know, everything under wraps. We were asking people not to tell if you got an invite and it got to a point that people came um, and we had all of the programming. But the thing that really got me was there was very few people that came to the first retreat that did not, not cry at some point. Oh, wow. That That's crazy. People got emotional because it was like, I needed this. Yeah. Like, and it was really the same thing that I felt about Red Bull 3 style. It's kind of like, yeah, I don't get a chance to hang with you. Right. You know, we see each other in passing. Like, spending four days with you, I get to know about your wife and your kids and your likes and your dislikes and your pets and, you know, and my musical taste. And I came up with, and it's like, oh shit, I didn't even know that. Like, that was so right. dope, you know? And then we all swapped music because it was so important for 
the retreat to be about what you put in the pot instead of what you take out of the pot. Like this needs to be a big sharing thing. And at, you know, the first retreat, it was kind of like, oh man, this is great. You know, achieve, you know, goal achieved. Yeah. And it started being, well, so what are you going to do next year? And I was kind of like, I, I didn't plan on this shit being a yearly thing. I thought it was just kind of <laughs> like, you know, and right. it, be, it started to become something that I felt that everybody needed, you know, yeah. and the hard part was because it wasn't at a convention center. I remember after the first retreat and we shot the video and I sent it to Will and Will was like, this is amazing, but I'm going to tell you something. You can never move this from your house. Oh, and I wow. was like, why? And he was like, there is a personal attachment of you inviting someone to your house. There's a level of respect that people will have because you're inviting someone to your house that you yeah, cannot true. do this. It'll be different if you have it in a convention center. People are going to feel the need to go and come as they wish. Like you having this is a thing. And, and what I realized was very few people slept. You would wake up. Like, I, you know, because cause I, got, I got a whole lot of land and I went to my neighbors and told them like, yep, we're going to have this and such and such. And, and it was wild because it took like the third night, my neighbor walked over about one o'clock in the morning and looked at Lynette. And I was just like, where's the music? He was like, <laughs> we were expecting all of this music. And you would walk out at two o'clock in the morning and you would see Young Guru and Just Blaze and tall black guy and Stro Elliott and Quest Love sitting down having a conversation. Like, yeah, and people amazing. were like, some of the best conversations I've ever had was there. And it wasn't just now the studio's popping and the DJ setup is popping, but it was though that that meeting that it really became like this is the revenge of the nerds all coming together. And yeah. we all are comfortable because we all know who we are. So I can feel relaxed to have this level of conversation. And it became important that I realized how much we all need that. We don't, we're, we're the music providers. We provide the good time for everybody else. We don't do a lot of shit for us. Right. And I really felt like this is for us. This is, this is for us, you know, and, and, you know, I kept saying it, it, it was wild for it to get to the last retreat we had was year number five, the amount of people that we had, the undertaking that it really started to kind of get to a point that we were planning this for seven months. Like it was the planning that went into Crazy. it. And it was, it, it, the one thing is, is, as much as I enjoy it. I have never been to the retreat. Like I've only through the retreat. I don't get what everybody right. else gets. My enjoyment comes through you, but it is so much work. It is so much, you know, my wife and I sleep two hours a night because Crazy. we are up, you know, making sure that the trash is dumped and everything is right. And this is picked up. And are we going to turn the showers on, you know, having, 300 people on your property and sleeping quarters. And, you know, you got to look at what's going to happen. Oh my God, somebody's trailer, the air conditioner doesn't work. And it's in August and we have to like, it's nerve wracking. It, you know, every, yeah. from 
September to December, I am always in my brain. I'm never doing this shit again. I am never doing this again. <laughs> and then January comes and you kind of like, well, I'm, I might do, do something smaller. And then March comes and you're full on in the planning mode, you know, because I think you realize, you know, that we need this. This is, you know, I, I really, I really got moved by people were saying that I get anxiety when I, when I DJ. And the only thing that cures that anxiety was a drink. And I realized then one drink turned to two drinks and then two drinks turned to four. And next thing you know, I think I got a problem for you to say this in a room full of DJs. You felt very comfortable, but those are the conversations that we need to have, you know, so we can all start to look out for each other. Like, you know, I'm like, we got an incredible job. We play music for people to enjoy and it's stressful. You know, there are people who don't appreciate what we do. There are promoters that don't appreciate what we do. And it was just really, how can we create this network of us that we can have the resources that we need? You know, you can have the pool of music that you need. I've never been somebody that I felt like, I don't understand when DJs don't give other DJs music. You don't yeah. make the music. It's it's not yours in the first place. And if I give you a folder of music, if I'm upset that you played something I gave you and we're on the same gig, then I'm making it about the music. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. ever want to feel like there is a record that defines me as a DJ. There's way too much music out there that you could play the entire set that I was planning on playing and I can do something right after that, that will have none of those records. There's a million pieces of music. So that's why I really wanted to make it a thing that we got a hard drive that we pass around and everybody puts stuff on and you take, you know, once you put it on, you get it back, you take it off, you know, and you know, we you miss the Carmack folders and, you know, selection folders and this, you know, that's where you get your pool of music for us to go out and do the job that we're supposed to do for the people who aren't us. Yeah. And that's that it, it was really as simple as that. Like, you know, collaboration was one of the main mantras. You know, that's what it's about. You know, collaboration. And, you know, how do you how do you collaborate with people? How do you give people inspiration? How do you give people motivation to 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 push on when the shit is tough? You yeah. know, we all had those moments that it's kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, man, I'm not trying to hear that. What do you mean you don't know? Right. You know what I mean? You got a talent to do something. Hey, man, this is one of those dips in that roller coaster that we always talk about. The shit is going to go back up. Like, you just got to ride that wave, you know, take it from somebody who's been doing this for 30 years. Like, don't get frustrated just because you're on a downswing, you know, and a lot of times you're on a downswing. You need the group to pick you back up until you can get on that upswing. And that's, that's really that is really what the whole thing was about, you know, and 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 even down to it, it, it would bother me like every year I put 700 people on the list. And my wife is kind of like, Jeff, Jeff, now you, (laughs) you know, you know, we got, you know, you got a good 140 people 
Right. You know, and I'm like, no, but they need, they need, and it's kind of like, you know, having to rotate that you had to kind of tell people like, listen, there is nobody that I, I did not want to invite. There is a rotation system in the place, you yes, know, of course. telling people that haven't come. Trust me, you are on the list. The people that come, if you're not on the list next year, please don't take it for, you know, like as, yeah. a, as a thing. We, I want to get everybody you know, that's the curse of having it at your house that it was right. kind of like I, I, there was a plot of land across from me that I purchased for the retreat because it was kind of like, OK, we need we need to get more people. Wow. But, you know, like I said, it's you know, it became that thing that I also feel like. It has been a blessing to be able to take that year off. Yeah, you know that just to kind of catch your breath, you know, just to right kinda... from the playlist. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, I think it it just shows what whether you're invited or not. I think it, you know, obviously it's become a thing in the DJ world of like, oh, who's yeah. invited to playlist or not? <laughs> and and I understand people's uh, wanting to go or maybe yeah, feeling absolutely. a certain way, whatever. But I think that a good thing to look at it as like it's the the gold standard for what we should be doing as a DJ culture. You don't need yes. to worry about if it's like you're trying to get in that one club. There's a lot of clubs. So like, and I think this is something we've all learned this year is to reach out to each other and to collaborate and to be honest with each other. I've had more honest conversations with DJs this yes. year than in a long time. And like you said about things like alcohol, depression, happiness, optimism, pessimism, music, everything ever, yeah. whether they have a dog or not. I got, I've gotten to know people in certain ways, but, and, and when DJ Puffy came on here, he's like, one thing I tell everyone to that I advise everyone to do during this pandemic is reach out to people that you know and that you don't yes. know. Now's the time. And like, um, I think that, yeah, like the playlist retreat is almost like the example of what we should all be doing in our own lives, reaching out, sharing music and, and give each other that release of being able to say, this has been bothering me. I feel upset. I don't feel good. I, I think I'm an alcoholic, you know, whatever's happening, let, yep. have, have these conversations with each other because you can't keep it all bottled in as well as share the creativity and the inspiration and the motivation that you're getting. Cause you're going to build up your brothers and sisters around you and, and which is then going to lift up the whole culture and then going to be passed on to the future of everyone, you know? So I think even people that get to go to the playlist retreat that then come back and talk to people that haven't gone, that's a gift in itself in a way too, you know, for people that can't and it, come. And it's funny because it's, it's when, 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 when Vice did the uh, behind the music retreat, I was yeah. so happy because <laughs> what people don't yes. understand is you didn't do this to be the only person. Like that's the thing about what I talk about records. If yes. you're the only one that's playing this record, it's not going to work. Right. The more people, like, first of all, it is the most selfish thing in the world to think that someone made a record that you want to be the only person playing this. Right. Like, you want the whole world to play it. It's the same thing. All, whether you call it the playlist retreat, it was a gathering of creatives for the purpose of us getting better. Right. I encourage everybody to do that. Yeah. Like we can't have one club. 
I never forget yeah. AM saying to me, like, you know what? W- when he was talking about putting together Dexter, um, right. he was like, man, I really would love for you to come in and help me do this. He said, because what I realized is if I am the only DJ going from club to club to club to club to club, I'm only going to go around one time and the club is going to be closed. We need as many great DJs as we possibly can because it really needs to be a thing that if it's 52 weeks in a year, I play there one time, but you got 52 amazing DJs that are coming through this club every year, every week, because that keeps the culture going. That keeps the environment going. Like that's how people kind of need to look at it. It can't be, I bodied this club and I don't want anybody else to play it. The club yes. is going to close. Right, like right. you want the club to stay open and say, "Oh my God, we had a bunch of amazing talent." I'm gonna come back to this club because that's how you stay in business. Like, yeah, you can't DJ every club in the country every week. Like right. somebody else has to be able to pick up the slack. So it's the same thing that these are all things that I felt as creatives we all need. Not just that. That you start off with the DJs, but I knew guys like Stro. I knew guys like Tall Black Guy and Joe Run and all of these guys that made all of these incredible remixes and edits that I had that I would play and people would go crazy that I was like, yo, we need to invite them. Invite them too. You know why? Because all of the DJs need to know these guys. And it was a thing of somebody like Joe Run realizing, oh my God. You like my remix? So then he starts putting together folders and passing them out to the DJs. And they're like, yo, and I'm sitting there like, this is making the club experience so much better. This is opening up people's palettes. This is, you know what I mean? Like, and we're not having to get this off of the radio or off of Spotify. These are people that so many people don't know. You know what it was like for me to hear Kanye do Sunday service with Stroh's record? Kanye yeah, probably didn't even know who Stro was. <laughs> I know, I know. I remember seeing you know, but, it. I was like, this is a, unbelievable, like mind-blowing. Exactly, but, but that's what it's really all about. Like, yep. I don't think there's anything that is more important to me than the collaboration that we all have as a, 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 a group of people, especially creatives, you know, because, you know, like I said, we have a lot of shit to us. You know, a lot, you know, yeah. we don't think normal, you know, we stay up late at night. Sleeping isn't the most important thing. Eating sometimes isn't the most important thing. You know, we don't take good care of ourselves, you know, and, you know, you kind of want us to be around for a while. So if you can pull somebody's coattail, maybe to eat better, get better rest, you know, take care of themselves, maybe slow down on the drinking and, you know, and just, you know, exercise, do, you know, do something, you know, however we get together in those groups, whether they're retreats or seminars or whatever, you know, I encourage as many people as, as they can to put together these groups of people you know, for, for the betterment, you know, and that, that's really what it is. It's kind of like, you know, I, I can't begin to tell you how much playlist has cost me financially. You know, <laughs> it does, it, I don't, I'm, it's not about the finance, you right. know, it's not about, you know, the, 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 the joy that you get 
from giving people something that they need is 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 great. You know, I love the fact that, you know, I I did a do-over in Portland with DJ Day. And DJ Day was the first person that I heard play a Stroh Elliott record. And I went to DJ Day and I said, what is that? And he gave me a folder of DJ, uh, of Stroh Elliott. It had some tall black guy in it. And the first thing that I did is I found them on social media and I reached out and and gave them a, that. Like, yo, man, I, I got your stuff from DJ Day. This was great. And that started the relationship. That became the thing that I just did. But it's right. kind of like, you know, Stro Elliott is a member of the Roots. Stro Elliott is on Fallon every night. He met Amir at the retreat. Like uh, it, these connections the are, you know, that's, but that's what it's for. That's what it's yeah. for. Like all of these connections do not have to have me included in them at all. You know, right. sometimes what you want to be is the connector. You know what I mean? Like, Yep. I wanted to throw the party that you met your wife at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, okay, yeah, that's good. Something good came out of that. So that's, you know, like, there's nothing more important to me than making sure that people are, are collaborating. You know, I, I, get a, I get a really big joy out of looking at that of, you know, you got all of these people that are doing stuff. You got people that are family members now that didn't know each other, you know, and what yeah. we have in common is the art. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it, I learned that from, I got to go on tour with Blink-182 and you live in a bus with someone for three and a half months. They're like your family at that point. You know, you know yes. them in such a different way. And, um, and also just the space to come up with ideas together and, and, from an artistic standpoint, not a monetary standpoint, not worrying yeah. about wh why you're doing something. Should I do this? The, you know, just do it to do it. Let it out of your system. That's how all the best things in the world come to fruition, you know? So um, I think, you know, that's an amazing gift that you give to the people that get to come as well as to the entire DJ industry and music industry because it all trickles mm. down to everybody, you know. So thank you for for doing that, yeah. you know. And and um, I think you, you know, you single handedly play a huge role in introducing people to new music, new artists, and you're doing it with Twitch too. And I I think that Twitch is a virtual way to do that. Like I even was watching Kenny Beats last night, and he's on his stream, yeah. and he has a he has a Discord with like eighty thousand people, and the way that he's he's not even in the Discord that much, but the people that are meeting in the Discord are coming yep. together and making yep. songs that then will be huge. Or some guy yes. comes in and he's this amazing Ableton genius, and then he made a comment in the chat last night, and, and Kenny Beats is like, wait, is that you? Oh, yeah, hold on. And the guy's like, oh, I need Antares auto-tune. The guy's like, I, and then Kenny's like, I got you. Text some dude introduces him to uh -huh. who knows what connection got made last night at 1 a.m. while I was watching Twitch that maybe in five years this guy will be inventing yeah. a new plugin for these people you yeah. know and I just watched it like it's crazy or even I watched him playing drums on his live kit he just got with these new microphones and then my friend asked me to remix something I downloaded the drums from the discord I made a, a beat in Ableton I'm like how crazy everything just comes yeah. so full circle you know it's like with technology so yeah that, that's unbelievable it. I love it too. And, and speaking of DJ AM, um, 
you know, that's someone you collaborated with in many ways from helping with Dexstar, being a part of Dexstar, which was huge and helping to, you know, bring on different DJs and artists um, and also doing these two by four, four turntable sets like at Rain in Vegas, which I know was probably out of your element and also in your element. You know, that was a whole new thing like that. Um, How did you first meet AM and even hear about him and all that stuff? Well, the crazy thing is AM's from Philly. Like yes. people didn't realize that AM was from Philly. That's um, right. And he moved out to LA um, and he started DJing, but AM remembers the classic Philly days with myself and Cash Money and, you know, Cosmic Kev and a lot of those guys. Um, and when AM started DJing and AM started getting really big, it was funny because there was a Will record I'm trying to remember. I think it was the Naja Head record that he wanted me to do cuts on and I was out of the country. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you should get AM to do it. And I didn't know AM. I was just oh, like, wow. you know, I heard his mix. I was like, you should get AM to do it. AM's in LA. And they reached out and got AM to do the cuts on the record. Crazy. And I was DJing in San Francisco and he was in San Francisco. And he uh, he found out I was in San Francisco, and he actually ended his gig early. He kind of left his gig an hour early and came. Um, and that was the first time that I, you know, I seen him and, you know, oh, hey, man, what's up? Says, says. And we finished and we exchanged, you know, information. Um, and then uh, when, when he was with Nicole, uh, she called and asked if I would DJ his surprise birthday party. Because yeah, he normally... I- in Vegas and I know, remember and I went that out. and it was you know and then we got on and we started playing and we started talking you know um we really got very cool when the all-star game was in Arizona um and right. we were out there and we ended up going out to eat and that's when he kind of explained you know he told me that you know I'm coming from an, an AA meeting which I was just kind of like wow you know that's really crazy that you you know that being that open and we just kind of started talking and um and and that was really you know i went to one of his shows he went to one of my shows and you know that was really when he was kind of like you know i really want you to help me with this he was like you don't understand that there's not a lot of people that you haven't influenced and this is something that i want to do and i was you know i was kind of like wow you know this is great like this is a great idea you know he's he he found a niche in what he did and really capitalized on it, but realized like this isn't going to work if I'm doing this just by myself. Right. Um, and 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 you know we kind of really developed a friendship. You know, so much of our conversation had nothing to do with DJing. You know, it was just just you know general stuff. You know, the stress of it. You know, the the right the anguish. Course. You know. Um, the 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 crazy thing is when um the day that him and Travis were in that plane crash, AM and I were supposed to play the do-over in LA. And I wow. was in LA waiting for him, you know, spoke to him, you know, right before the gig, you know, um, and I was actually waiting for him, you know, to land in LA. And right. you know, my my tour manager at the time knocked on my door you know, in the middle of the night and woke me up and told me, 
Um, and I immediately flew home because I, you know, I was like, I'm not doing a do over. I'm not in a headspace, you know. Right, of course. Um, so it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy, you know, just that journey, you know, with him. Um, right. You know, and, and and you know, he had friends that were his friends in Philly that were still his friends that were friends of mine. That was kind of like, oh yeah, me and Ann went to school together. And it's kind of like, yeah. oh man, you know. So it was it was really almost like a six degree of separation thing, um, you know, with us. Um, but it was that, you know, like we when we sat down, it was like, hey man, we should do a set together. It was it it was mind-boggling that people were like, oh my God, I've never seen this. And guys like myself and Cash Money did this in 1985. <laughs> right. Like that right. wasn't new, you know. But th- it's also one of those things, like I said, there's nothing new under the sun that you realize sometimes, you know, j- just like with music, sometimes you got to grab that record that came out 20 years ago because it will smack super hard right now. And it yes. was the same thing routines, um, technology. You know, it was wild watching people say, I don't understand you guys are DJing together. How do you do that? And it was just, you know, it was, we, me and Am would joke about how it was a, a breath of fresh air for both of us because he wasn't the heavy and neither was I. Right. It's kind of like he played two records and I would hear what he play and I'd be like, oh man, I got something for that. And it's like, all right, well, okay. When you get to such and such, loop it. How long do you want to loop it for? Loop it for eight bars. Okay, got it. All right, you got it? Yeah, I'm good. And then I bring it in and he fade out. Such and such. And he would hear something like, we never plan those sets. It would always be like, like, oh my God, like, oh man, I got an idea. I'm going to come in and we're going to do this. And it was like sandwiching these and sandwiching these. And the 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 wild thing what i respected from him more than anything was he was fearless he i remember walking into rain on a night that i didn't have to dj and it was about one o'clock in the morning i think i was playing the next night and i came out a day early and i walked in about one o'clock in the morning i came in and he was like, yo, what's up, man? He was like, yo, you heard that new Mob Deep record? And I was like, no. Nah. And he was like, check it out. And threw it on in front of 3,000 people. Like, just check it out. Like, <laughs> That's no, amazing. You're playing this shit for me to hear in front of 3,000 people. But it was kind of like, that's the control that we have that sometimes we don't remember we have that. Yep, that's And true. I respected the fact that he was kind of like, I am going to be me unapologetically, you know, no matter what, whether yeah. I'm showing you this record, playing this record. Hey, you know what? I, you know, AM, AM being at the forefront when EDM got big could have been a whole lot different if he wasn't in the club cutting DeWick. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. guy that was the torchbearer for so many of us was someone who had the balls to cut the wick in a bottle service club. Yes. And I tell so, people, like, don't oh, forget so that. True. Because yeah. 
that could have that could have gone way different and could have completely changed the trajectory of everything that we were doing. But I'm sitting back yep. like you just made a 21 year old white girl know what DeWick was in the club, and she accepted it. Like it, I appreciate, I applaud you for that because so true. You you dug in these crates of records so so deep that it made people understand that there's more music than these five albums I got on my iPod. Yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, I remember going to LAX, his club in LA, mm. and, you know, thinking, okay, he's a Vegas kind of DJ, bottle service, and this and that, but then him going into the most insane 90s hip-hop set and still not losing the energy, doing the most mind-blowing yeah. things, and me being like, wait, we're from the same world and team, but he's also doing yeah. this. And, and, and like you said, he, he wasn't afraid to do it, but he knew how to push it in a way where it worked and uh, he could yeah. be himself um, but, and expose people to it. And I mean, we used to always laugh like for Banana Split because that was his place to really play crazy shit. And he, and I would yes. talk to like people like Morse Code, and we would tell stories because he would sometimes get us to like songs that I don't even think I liked. Like he would play a song and then act out like this violin part and be making a face like ooh ooh ooh, like doing the screw face and looking at me and looking at us, and and we're like, yeah, this is actually great. And then I would go get it and listen later, and be like, wait, I don't think I could play this. Like only he could do what he did with it. But it was exactly. He, he could get you to like something, you know, which was obviously a, a super talent as a DJ, but and not and unapologetically be himself, like you said. I loved it. I loved it. Like, you know, he it, it was it was so wild to watch him do that. And it was it was so much of a benefit for us to have those nights that we had yeah. no idea what we were doing or where we were going. And, you know, it was great. You know, it, it was, you know, because it's sobriety, we would play in Vegas. Cause I'm not the drinker. I'm not the super club. Ah, let's pop some bottles. Right. So we would play and literally walk through the kitchen and go to the diner. And it would be 5,000 people in the club rocking and him and I in the diner eating chicken fried steak. Right, like right. just having a conversation about life and he would just be like yo do you think anybody has the idea that we are here right now you know and it would just be us by ourselves that's so true yeah i know no he i, I had those nights with him like in new york i think it might have been the night before the plane crash um unless it's all blurring together for me but i think we were in new york and i was headed to chicago to dj the next day and he was headed to do that thing with Travis and then to fly back to LA and he was super hyped. He, they had this private jet and it wasn't, yep. you know, no one was really on private jets at that time. It wasn't the EDM thing, you know? So he's like, they got us a private jet. <laughs> and, but, but I remember it probably would have been a night where I would have gone out to every club in New York to see every DJ. And instead we went to eat at like blue ribbon fried chicken. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, it, and I remember like we got to just go sit down and talk and eat. And same thing. We're not drinking. I'm, I don't have to be like, all right, I'm gonna do this shot and be cool for other people. Yeah, you know, yeah. I get to 
eat fried chicken with honey wasabi on it. I mean, that, yeah. that's the best. I, I'm the happiest person in the world. It's two in the morning. But even that night, like I learned lessons because <clears throat> there was some guy there that uh, was trying to talk shit. Like he's like, oh, my girl, his girlfriend liked AM or something. And he was pissed off. He was some drunk New York guy. And he starts bringing out, I got black cards, you know, a- Amex and like, like he's just yelling at AM and I remember yeah. we're sitting there in Morse code and people are like oh fuck this guy and AM's like I'm not arguing with this guy and we're like why this doesn't even bother you he's like drunk people are like a brick wall are you gonna argue with a brick wall he goes I got exactly. I- I'm not even gonna interact with this guy you know and I'm like I learned a lot right there even I'm like you're right why you know yeah. even in a in a club if someone's yelling at you and they're drunk they're not really saying that. You don't don't give yeah, them your energy. Yeah. He was like, I'm not giving and, this um, guy my energy. I'm going to eat this food and be happy. And I'm like, okay, that's probably smart. And then within yeah. 30 minutes, the guy had left and was on his hands and knees because he had dropped all his credit cards and he couldn't find it underneath the table. And it was hilarious. And you're like, this is it. Karma is coming right back. You know, yeah. this dude looks like an idiot <laughs> right here, you know? Exactly. And then, um, yeah. And then same. I remember the next day, like getting a call, like, did you hear AM was in a plane crash and Travis and I mean, so, so tragic, you know, yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, he, he taught us so much and his DJ sets were, playlist retreats in themselves i mean not really but but you know what i mean they were those things that you went to get that motivation and to get that inspiration and i had to go practice afterwards and i'd be so motivated and there was no shazam back then so i'm just writing down okay i gotta find this it had these lyrics you know exactly so yeah, that that's amazing. Um, yeah, it was yeah, well, shit. man, it was. A good I know times. we we we've been uh we've been recording a long time. I don't want to keep you too long, but there was um, I mean we didn't. There was so much history stuff I wanted to get into, but there's also questions from listeners. If you want to get into either yeah. of those worlds, yeah, um, I'm with you. Okay, so um, I mean, do you want to take a minute to talk about like? Your, the early days of things or you want to just get right into the internet questions because i'm sure they'll lead to a lot of things no that's no uh, that's cool that's cool okay um well i mean so just as far as um like growing up i know that you had a musical family you know i think people don't mm-hmm. know like you started getting into djing around like when you were 10 years old right yeah yeah and your dad was an mc for count basie is that right yeah yeah and your brother uh, was a bass player and uh, yeah so can you tell us about like growing up in the musical family and how you even got to learn about djing and getting into it um well i think what was interesting is you know my dad you know uh being in the jazz the way that he was, we always had those records and I knew those artists, you know, I'm seven, eight years old knowing who Arthur Prysock is and Wes Montgomery and Jimmy Smith. Um, And then you go into my brothers who they were, you know, they, they were the sixties and the seventies. So they were Chick Corea and return for forever and Mahavishnu orchestra and weather report. And then my sisters were Marvin Gaye, Stevie wonder, I'm the youngest, so I don't have anything. Right. I'm just I'm just soaking up all of that stuff. Um, yeah. The one thing that I will give the ultimate credit for is my brothers allowed me to play with the stereo. Like it wasn't 
It wasn't right. a thing of don't touch this. It was kind of like, let me show you how to not put your fingerprints on the record. Let me show you how to place the record on. Let me show you how to put the needle because it, you know, like they were the ones that had the Morantz receiver and the Kenwood turntable and the three-way speakers, you know, with a cassette deck with the VU meter. So I learned how to make my own tapes, you know, and make sure that it wasn't too hot. You know, you learn yeah. how to pick the record up, but I'm nine years old making Chick Corea tapes and returning forever. Like, that was the Crazy. music that I love because this was pre-hip-hop. Yeah. So the only thing that happened when hip-hop came out, once again, going back to my earlier statement, you just add that in. So it was kind of like, okay, we got hip-hop. But, you know, when I first started DJing, I got 45s of brass construction and mass production and, you know, and I just want to make your dream come true and firecracker and moving by brass construction. And these were the records that we played at the house party. You weren't cutting, scratching, mixing. You weren't doing anything. You were right. the selector. It was your yeah. job that when the record ended, you took that off, you put the next one on and you played it. So, you know, just making sure that people don't, you know, a misconstrued that I'm 10 years old and I'm cutting and scratching. Nobody was cutting and scratching <laughs> back then, right. you know. Um, but it was a, it was also a beautiful thing to be there, you know, be there when you heard the the first hip hop tape, you know, to be there when you when you saw the first person rap on a microphone, you know, the birth of something that was amazing. Going to school during that time, you know, you wanted to make sure that whatever hip hop record came out that week because they were coming out every week that you learned all of the words. And, yeah. you, and you wanted to do it. Um, and I think for me, just going to those block parties and watching these massive speakers be set up and watch this guy just play the music. But you watched him control and made everybody happy with the music he played. And I wouldn't dance. I wouldn't do anything. I would sit on my bike and just watch him playing this music and him talking on the mic and telling everybody, throw their hands in the air. And I was just like, wow, I want to be that guy. Like, that's really where it started. And then I had some older DJs on my block that, you know, when we would have block parties or they would do certain events, they would let me carry their records. They would let right. me put records on while they went to the bathroom. It was no way, shape or form my show. But, right. you know, I was I was kind of like, yo, this is how you pay your dues. I just wanted to kind of be around it. Um, and slowly but surely you're collecting records. You're you know, you're, somebody threw out an old receiver. Now I got a receiver. And now I went to Radio Shack and bought a 15-inch woofer and built a cabinet and put these tweeters in it and blew the tweeters because you didn't know you needed a crossover. And I threw too much bass <laughs> on the tweeters. And, you know, yeah. but, like, that's when I was talking about the whole streaming thing. That You know, there was a level of excitement that you had with that. And it just started getting to the point of, like, you know, now your peers are kind of like, hey, Jeff, I'm having a birthday party. Can you do it? And it's like, all right, cool. You know, right. you end up with a mixer with a cue on it and two copies of the same record. And you realize how to blend these records without making people stop dancing. 
You know, you yeah. realize that I'm going to push this record off and I'm going to listen in my ear and I'm going back and forth to the queue to make sure that they're right before I bring it up and bring it down and I open my eyes. And if everybody's still dancing, then I did it on B. And yes. it was really kind of that's that's what it was. That was the fundamental. I think the learning the fundamentals was the most important thing that I can say in the long run, because. You know, the first time you saw somebody cut, scratch, backspin, or anything like that, now it was just at learning that technique. Like, right. how did they do that? How did, you know, wow. So I can take this big-ass rubber mat and throw this away and yeah. put a 45 underneath of it, but the 45 makes it wobble. Okay, let me get some wax paper, and I'll cut the wax paper out. Now it slides really good, but the wax paper, after about an hour, the hole on the wax paper gets big, and now it's sticking out, and it goes underneath the needle. Okay, let me cut an album cover out. Ah, that works sometimes. The glossy album covers work really good. You know, when you put it on the paper side, it doesn't. Like, th this was, there was no butter rugs. You right, know, there was quarters course. on top of needles and, yep. you know, it was so much of that, you know, it was spraying WD-40 in your mixer, which is the biggest thing that you don't ever do. <laughs> but in order to make your crossfader slide, like we now have the tools to do all of this stuff that you can buy straight from the store. We used to have to make all of those things. We used to have to build our own needles. And sometimes you would put that weight that comes with the head shell and sometimes you wouldn't. You know, too much weight. You know, I I had needles that if I scratched, it wouldn't jump, but it would absolutely destroy your records. Yeah. And then I had needles that you could backspin and it wouldn't jump, but you couldn't scratch. So it was kind of like, okay, what do you want to do? You know, you want the best of both worlds. But, you know, it was really you, 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 the, the almost the same thing that I said with the streaming. You end up doing a block party. And a bigger DJ four blocks away has a thousand people at his block. You got four. Uh, right. What happens is you, you end up doing a block party and just so happened this week, none of the other DJs are working and right. everybody comes to your block party. And now you're 14 years old and you're rocking a thousand people and people are kind of like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? And that turns into somebody wants you to do a house party and somebody wants you to do a park party and somebody wants you to do that. And it was just, it started to become a growing fan base that, you know, I, I'm known for 10 blocks in my neighborhood. Then I'm known in my entire neighborhood. Then I'm known in my entire section of the city. And then I get cool with somebody in South Philly and they invite you to South Philly and you do a, a, a guest set at a block party. Now you got fans in South Philly. Like it really became, you know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have, you know, this is when you call somebody's house and if they weren't home, they weren't home and you missed them. <laughs> right. You know? But it was just, it was really to, to, to piece stuff together, you know, like that is, is that's, you know, that's how it started. And it just, it just never stopped. You know, it's weird because, you know, like I said, starting at 10 and 14 and you're doing this and you're doing your, your, your high school dance and then you graduate and it's kind of like, this is something that I want to do, but it doesn't exist yet. Like for me to yeah. tell somebody I wanted to DJ, the first thing they would say on a radio and you kind of like, no, I kind of want to do, 
like I said, we didn't even have clubs. I can't be like, I kind of want to do the club. I'm kind of like, well, you know, I'm kind of, it was embarrassing for me to tell somebody I was a street DJ that I'm playing at the park and I'm playing at the house parties or the ballroom that somebody throws, you know? And it wasn't until, you know, I'm a manager at this ice cream parlor and I get to a point that I'm making enough money that I can quit the ice cream parlor because I'm doing three, four events on a weekend. And I'm kind of like, okay, all right, so I'm going to do this. I don't know how long this is going to last. My mom is mad at me because I'm not going to college and, and I'm doing this. And it just kept going and going and going and going. And my life has been like that since I was 10 years old. That's unbelievable. That's so dope. But but also it shows how history repeats itself because all the exact things you were talking about, even before hip hop was created and the way you had yes. to piece things together and keep adding it in. And then it's become part of your life forever going forward. And every skill you've learned along the way, you put into action the streaming thing now that we're all going yeah. through yes you can ignore it but number one it has the same fun element of like oh i could get my phone to do a thing if i put a thing on yes. top of it and then connect yeah. it and <laughs> just before this podcast we're teaching each other stuff like you could use loop back and put in yeah. a thing and probably hopefully we'll use that going forward and so it's the same thing it's fun just for people who are into that kind of stuff but also it's a skill that you're going to use going forward and it never stops you know the snowball just keeps rolling Ever. you know yeah. and and now we're in this world you know and and you're discussing things you did 30 40 years ago that are now you're going through right now you know in yeah. 2020 yeah history That's so repeats amazing. itself yeah, exactly. Um, and so, um, and so going from there, like, like you said, it just kind of kept going. Like you were, you started doing these block parties, you started doing all that stuff. You were working with another MC ice, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then eventually you met Will Smith and you guys started doing parties and, and all that turned into a whole huge long story. I'm sure you could tell, <laughs> but <laughs> we don't need yeah, to get listen. into it. Was, but, you uh, know, it's, it's, it's it's wild how those things happen. Yeah. You know, it is I always tell the story that I got a call to do a party at the last minute. A, I wouldn't have gotten a party if I wasn't home to answer the phone call. <laughs> right. So I got the party from being home. The crazy thing is I, I then called Ice and he wasn't home. <laughs> and crazy. because he wasn't home, I went and did the party by myself. And realized that it was right next door to Will's house. So Will comes in the party and we knew of each other. What's up, man? What's up? You know, he's like, where's Ice? And I was like, I called him. He wasn't home. And he was like, hey, man, you mind if I rock with you? And I was like, "Nah." And that was one of the most memorable nights I had. You know, it was was really, it was like he knew what I was about to do. I knew what he was about to do or, you know, or or say, you know, I knew that his punchline, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, from a bar structure, I realized that his punchlines would always come on the fourth bar. So when I would cut this beat, I would always drop the mic out on the fourth bar and he would do his punchline. And, like, ah! and then you scratch it back in and he's looking at me like, how the fuck did you know I was going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. It's just it just happened. You know, That's and it literally yeah. got to the point of what are you doing tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, nothing. Well, you know, I got this party to do at the win and he came and it was actually about four or five shows that him and ice came together. 
And I think Ice kind of saw the writing on the wall that, you know, how good Will was, how much of a storyteller, because, you know, we would perform Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Um, I would play the original Art and Noise, and he would perform Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. And I never forget looking at 500 people hang on every word to that story. And I was like, yeah, that's special because you're visualizing what he's saying, you know, off of this song. Um, right, right. And he was, you know, we, we ended up doing a whole party circuit and it was to the point that he was on his way to MIT. And uh, a local record company came, the guy came and was like, Will and I did the demo of Art and Noise with Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Um, and then I ended up flipping it with the I Dream a Genie thing and Will took the demo and gave it to a record company. And I remember Will was like, hey, man, they want to talk to us. And the guy drove over my house and sat down with me and my mom and was like, listen, I want to put this record out. And and I was just kind of like, you know what? One day I'm going to be able to tell my kids I made a record. Yeah. And we he dropped the record. I remember the first time I heard the record on the radio, I was super excited. And a month later, we were in London doing Top of the Pops. And I remember kind of like, I had never been on a plane before. And I'm like, you know, we in London and we're performing and we're in LA and then we're performing. And, you know, Will ended up going to his mom and dad and was kind of like, I don't know where this is going to go. I want to know if I can take a year off before we go to school. You know, of course, you know, none of our parents ever went to London. So it was kind of like, if you're in London, this must be something. Okay, let's just see what happens. Right, right. 30 some odd years later, (laughs) you know, but that's that's unbelievable. But I mean, it shows that's a prime example of trust the journey and the process and keep playing the game. It's never going to end. If you stop playing the game or you keep focusing on the end or the beginning of how it started, you'll never get anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like a life lesson right there. And an amazing story. I mean, I remember seeing obviously the video for that when, as a kid on MTV and I'm like, who are these guys? What is this song? Like you said, I could picture everything. I mean, it (laughs) it was mind blowing. I was like, this is unbelievable. Especially after seeing like Herbie Hancock rocket and like the scratching in there and all the robots. And I'm like, it's all coming together in my head. I had these tapes of run DMC and beastie boys. (laughs) And I mean, crazy. Yeah, that's so that's unbelievable. Um, and so and then you went on to win the first uh, Grammy of for hip hop period, right? And um, you know, ton, tons tons yeah, of history mean, in know, there. It was yeah, you know, it's it's I've always said that it's weird because the ball started rolling and it never stopped. Right, and I am somebody that I don't really take the time to um. By no way, shape, or form am I not happy or or uh, or um, grateful, but I don't think about any of the accolades because I have a very bad fear that if I take too much time paying attention to what you've done, it's over. Yeah. So I look at it like a typewriter, like I'm typing it, and when it's done, I'm going to slide it over and let me do it because I'll have... God willing, some time to be able to sit down and think about all of that. Um, that's it, it, it's weird because 
the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion was one of the first times in my life that I was forced to sit down and pay attention to something that we've done. Yeah. And it was very strangely emotional for me because all of that stuff, I make a blur in my head because I'm still moving and I had to sit down and you don't mind sitting down talking about it, but it was wild to sit down and see when they pieced all of that together. And then you got a chance to understand what it meant to people, you know, that you just kind of like, wow, you know, that's, that's mind boggling to even think that, but it was kind of like, okay, all right, I, I, I got to let this go and I got to focus on tomorrow's stream, you know, right. because I think you're always, you know, you're always looking to do something like that. You know, you want to, you know, you want to create those moments, you know, for people that are, are life moments. It's, it's, it's a trip to me to hear people you know, talk about live at Union Square or just certain things, you know, that you've done that, you know, it's, that wasn't the first time we did Union Square. We did Union Square maybe about three, four times. Right. You know, we were, we were terrified because they fought so much in Union Square. The only time they didn't fight was when there was a good DJ and did a DJ routine. That's the reason why Union Square started off with a DJ routine, because if we wanted to calm everybody down, that was a night that Mr. Magic and Red Alert, who were, you know, on two ends of the spectrum of New York radio, were yeah. in the house and Mr. Magic was hosting. Mr. Magic was the one who taped live at Union Square and he wow. ended up playing live at Union Square on the radio. And people started requesting it like it was a song like people. But, you know, so that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Mr. Magic. And when we made he's the DJ, I'm the rapper. We were the ones that picked up the phone and called Mr. Magic and asked for a copy of the tape like that on the album is from a cassette. That's crazy. You know, of the show. Yeah. You know, but that changed you know, that changed a lot with DJ history. You weren't thinking about that. That was not on your mind or in your wheelhouse. You were just doing something. You were doing something that you thought would be cool for people to hear. And somehow it made its way into this person and this person, you know, and you don't think about that. And I think that is the main reason why I do everything in my power, not to think about that stuff now. Like, I'm right. appreciative. Like, oh, my God, it was great. Oh, man, those were amazing times. But, you know, it wasn't done for that reason. It wasn't done for the accolades and, you know, for all of that stuff. You know, of course. I, it, it, sometimes that makes me uncomfortable. Um, you know, and you just you just want to kind of like, yeah, man, this was really dope. That was a really dope time. And, you know, but I'm still, you know, hopefully I want to have some more dope times. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yo, that's that's crazy. Those stories are are crazy to think about. I mean, yeah, exactly. We just always want to keep pushing on and uh you know, it's just constantly be inspired and look for inspiration in things and and that and never lose that curiosity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um absolutely. well, let's uh let's get into some of these questions from the internet. Um yeah. 
and then uh let me know i know it's getting late out there if you gotta if you gotta run but uh let's see all right i wrote down a bunch of them um Mm -hmm. probably won't hit them all but um the first one tyler smith world asks uh the biggest oddball you've played that's gotten a great reaction or biggest oddball to bomb i assume he means uh certain type songs in your set um you know what i can say uh the the one of the things that i can say i have not had i have had very very few bombs i'm knocking on wood um (laughs) i I was asked to play a soca party in toronto one time okay and i was asked about 10 times and i was like nope nope don't play soca don't know soca nope and it was literally, listen, we don't want you to play soca. We want you to do you. You are the break in between the soca. And I was like, nope, nope. I said no. I stuck to my grounds and said yeah. no. And on the 11th time, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't want you to play soca. You all right, you all right. And we get there. And first of all, I walk in and I hear them playing something that's 150 BPMs and it's 5,000 people losing their mind. Oh and my I'm kind of like, oh man. And he walks over to me and he says, um, if you got anything soca that you can throw in. And I said, God damn it. I told you. I don't. That's why I no. said no. When I tell you, I started playing and all I remember is it was a woman in the front row with her arms folded and she was shaking her head no <laughs> the entire time I played. Oh, no. I could not get my eyes off of her. She was shaking her head no, 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 <laughs> no. And I literally played for about 30 minutes and we signed off. And they dropped a 150 BPM thing and people went crazy. And I was just like, yep, I will trust my gut from now on. (laughs) And that was probably the biggest bomb I can say I had. Oh, wow. That is crazy. I mean, Puffy, DJ Puffy came on and told stories. He's like, if you play the wrong thing at the wrong place, you know, in the soca parties, he he was telling yeah. similar stories like they will look at you crazy and they will be very, you know, disapproving. So I nope, know that. Nope. that <laughs> <laughs> All I right. Well, that's good to know. In my sleep. That's crazy. Yeah. You got to trust your gut. Um all right, let's see. So uh, Seattle guy 001, that's an interesting name. I think that's Guy from <laughs> Seattle. Uh, he says, tell us about Union Square in the late 80s. It got talked about on Hella Records. I like. I thought it was a club. Was it popping? Was it the hip-hop spot? So you just kind of told us about it, but uh, yeah, is Union there anything Square else? Union Square was a club. Union, Union oh. Square, it was, it was called Union Square because it was okay. in Union Square in New York. Right. Just like the Latin Quarters and... You know, it was a beautiful club, great sound system. You, they had a cage that used to hang. Um, you know, it, that's where they used to put all of the artists. It was like this cage that was overlooking the dance floor. So you got a chance to see the whole club. You got a chance to see when they were wilding in there that, you know, just you're kind of like, oh, my God, we got to go on stage with with this. And, you know, the people that they would boo. 
Um, <laughs> it was an amazing, it was an amazing club, but it was funny because what I knew is they were in love with DJs. So it was kind of like, okay, you know, especially early on, you know, it was this big thing of this is the guy that won the new music seminar and he's not from New York. Right. I don't believe him. So I need to go see him because I don't believe that he deserved to win. So you would get a bunch right. of people that would come just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I need you. I need to see you do something. And then you would do it. And it's like, oh, my God. And then they would become your friends. So right. we would slowly but surely start to win over, you know, crowds. You know, the beauty of the early days, especially with Will and myself, is it was kind of like you had me doing these DJ routines. You had Ready Roxy doing this incredible beatbox routine, and then Will would do the records. So it was kind of oh, like wow. we would just hit them, and the yeah. records would always be last. You know, so we would we we knew enough. Like, how are you going to get everybody's attention? Well, you're going to get them with the DJ routine, and then you come out of the DJ routine that me and Ready Roxy would do a routine that I would be battling him, and we would do that, and then Will would come out, and then Will would play the human video game with Ready Roxy, and people, oh my God, that's great, and they would do you know their routines, and then we would perform the records, and you'd be you know it's like we're done. Um, but yeah, like Union Square was one of those pivotal clubs that you wanted to do, um, you know, in New York. Not everybody got a chance to do that. That was early on, you know, and of course, you know, hip hop grew and things got big and Union Square shut down and Latin Quarter shut down and, you know, it, it, yeah. it you know, it changed. But that was definitely the place to be. Yeah, uh, that's dope. That's crazy to to hear about. Um, all right, Sharia Shringa Pure um, asks: Will the Fresh Prince <laughs> mid scene beats transitioning from scene to scene ever be released? Will the what? <laughs> I don't know. I think I mean, we don't need it. If it doesn't make sense, we don't have to do it. But I think he said, "Will the Fresh Prince?" I guess the TV show mid scene beats transitioning from scene to scene ever be released uh no 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 well qd3 did a lot of the the transitions between the stuff but you got to understand like those transitions were 15 seconds right you exactly know, it's what just are you gonna, really going yeah. from this scene to that so yeah yeah and I, yeah like you said I, I qd3 QD3 did it, and and I don't. A lot of people don't know. I mean, now they've watched the reunion, but that Quincy Jones played such a big part in uh, that TV show, yeah. right? And yeah. did you were Listen, you able to get to know? Him. Were you able to get to know him through that? At oh all? my god! Oh my god! Listen, I would not be the producer I am if it wasn't for Quincy. Quincy, Quincy Jones. There's never been a time that I needed to ask him a question that he didn't pick up the phone and call you immediately back. Like, and it, it was mind boggling, but that's amazing. Quincy was the one. Um, I remember early on the show, you know, he came on and I was like, you know, I would really like to sit down and, you know, and talk to you just about, and he was like, Hey man, you know, come out to the house on Thursday. And I was like, okay. So he gave me the address and we come out and we go and it's kind of like, Oh shit, this is Quincy Jones house. And we come in and he takes me in the basement and I sit in this chair and the Michael Jackson plaque is right there. Wow. With like, I don't know how many million, but, it wasn't even the, the plaques. I don't know if you remember Quincy's record, The Dude, and it was a statue. 
Yeah, of course. The dude was sitting on the table. Oh, wow. Like, I'm wow. looking like, oh, shit. That's, That's crazy. Yeah, from and the Quincy album cover. And Quincy came in, and we start, you know, we started talking. And I remember asking Quincy, and I was just like, you know, I'm just trying to get a definition of what a producer is. I was like, is the producer the person to make the beat? And he was like, no. He said, just because you made a beat does not make you the producer. He said, the producer is the person who puts the puzzle together. And I looked at him and he said, so if I dump a puzzle on this table and I tell Spider to take that piece and put it there, and I tell you to take that piece to put it there, and this person to take that piece, put it there, who put that puzzle together? And I said, you did. He said, yeah, I just used your hands. He said, the person who puts the puzzle together is the producer. So you could make the beat, but if I put him on the beat and told him to come in and play bass and did that and got this guy to come in and mix, that guy's the producer. The other guy might be the writer of the beat. He was like, you know, but he also told me that that is also left up to interpretation. And that's where you're going to get a lot of stuff. He, you know, I remember him telling me that he never accept demos. He was like, you don't understand how many times people said that I stole Michael Jackson's song. He oh, was wow. like, and you get to a point that you don't take demos. You don't listen to anybody's demos, you know, and he's like, that's just one of the pitfalls of the business. But having someone that you can have that level of conversation with that, kind of solidifies things that you kind of like oh man that's great oh i didn't i never thought about it like that like quincy was incredible to me and still yeah that's that's like the ultimate gift to be able to just spend time with him and and hear his words i mean just that story you just told is crazy um yeah. that's that's so dope are you and are you still in contact with him um i have not Talked to him in a while. Um, it was funny because even on his documentary, when, he, you know, they, they showed something that he was kind of like, yeah, I'm trying to such and such and I need to get, you know, I need you to call Jazzy Jeff and Will and something. And I was just like, oh, shit, like, that's crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, just to to have somebody like that, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I believe that life is full of nuggets. Sometimes yep. you get one from a person. Sometimes you get nuggets all your life. Like Quincy was one of those people that I've got enough nuggets that he doesn't owe me anything. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, maybe uh, he'll do a live stream on your channel or something. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. He'll be like, this is how we made this Michael Jackson song. Break it down. The live stream uh, <laughs> breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, crazy that's that's so dope all right well why don't we we'll ask a few more uh questions mm -hmm. i mean talking about producing someone uh dope it's domino asks what genre haven't you produced that you'd like to get into or try oh man um i don't you know what's funny i don't know because i don't really i, I understand you have to classify genres i think i'm just somebody that i'm kind of like yeah um I just, I'm, I make music. Like, I'm not the person that's kind of like, I'm going to make a house track. It's like, I kind of start making something 
and whatever it morphs into, it is what it is. Because yep. I don't believe in just stopping saying this wasn't what I intended it to be. I'm kind of like, you know, flushed. I've had way too many things that I've done in 15 minutes that became something that I realized not to stop yourself. Like just, you know, yeah. see it out, see what it turns into yeah. and then put it in a, and put it in a category then, you know, instead of, you know, looking like I want to make a drum and bass record or I want to make a set. Right, right. You know, I'm, I just, yeah. I just make music. Even your latest track, um, Evil, which people go check that out. Um, that's not really genre based at all. You know what I mean? It's like up tempo, but it could yeah. be mixed into a house set, but it also could be in an up tempo hip hop funk breaks kind of set. And that track is dope, yep. by the way. Really good. Oh, thank um, you. That was another yeah. one of them that I just did and sent to Terry. And Terry was like, hey, man, we should put this out. And I was like, hey, man, whatever you want to do. And then Terry hit me back and was just like, you got the number one house record in the world. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's just sometimes you just got to you just got to do it. Yeah. Well, I love it. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, DJ Alize Canada says, where or who do you look for for inspiration during times like this or what activities helps you recharge your creative batteries? Oh, man. Um, well, I pay attention to everybody playing music, you know, online right. because you're going to hear some really cool stuff. Um, and, you know... I. This is, like I said, this has been really crazy for me because I've never had this much time off. Um, yeah. I used, to, I used to get on a plane. If, if, if I flew 19 hours to Australia, I could sleep 18 hours and 45 minutes. And I used to brag <laughs> about that. And I didn't realize it was because I had tired stored up in me. Yeah, true. Um, and I really feel like this is the most rested that I've been. Um, that's good. This is the most rested that I've been. This is, you know, the most energy that I've had. This is the most clarity that I had. I just, you know, I, you know, I have an amazing workspace that is like Pee Wee's Playhouse that I can come in here and, you know, whether I want to play live instruments, I want to make some beats, I want to DJ you know, it's, you have the space to do it. Um, right. And I think, you know, even, even down to that, I don't think I appreciated my space, you know, because my space wasn't just my space. It, you know, this space, you know, I, I started tailoring this space more so for playlists or for other artists to come in and create stuff and, yeah. and not necessarily myself, you know, I would make the studio for everybody else and I would, set up a little studio set up on a kitchen table my wife is looking at me like crazy She's like you got this big giant studio you know and I'm like <laughs> oh well that's not for me and you know so I think just some you know sometimes taking the time you know for 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 30 years I've never had my records in order ever wow. like my records were in memory order yeah. Like if you if you asked me where something was at, I knew the vicinity it was would be in and I could go in. And this is the first time that I put all of my records in order, got all of my shelves and 
put all of my digging records and my sample records and my classics and, you know, house and funk and soul and 45s. And, you know, you just have everything, you know, in an order. And, you know, I enjoy that. You know, some days I come in the studio and all I do is sample. Some days, yeah. I, you know, I don't make anything. I just sample. I just want a plethora of samples that when I want to be creative, I can go in this folder and be like, oh, my God, I can flip that. You know, I can do this. You right. know, some days I just want to listen to 45. Some days I just want to put an album on and play it from beginning to end and just and and just take that ride. You know, I yeah, I sometimes feel like I lost my musical patience. You know, I think the way that we DJ and the way that we do things now doesn't is not conducive for us to let something ride. Like that's one of the things that I love about house music is it takes its time, you know, and yeah, and the song cultivates and, you know, but that's the thing about, you know, I want to, I, I love cleaning the studio because I can put an album on and I'll let it play from beginning to end and pick it up and turn it over and play it from beginning to end. And you hear so much and you vibe so much with that, that um, I think what I'm trying to do is get my musical patience back to, to, to be able to do that. Yeah. I saw you saying that on the new year's day set. You were like, we have time today. Let's let it breathe. I'm going to let it breathe. We have, we have time today. And you kept saying that. And, and it was so true. You know, you're like, let's listen to this whole record. Let's listen to this whole part or just enjoy the whole mix. Like we need that musical patience. That's something that D nice was constantly saying uh, during his sets too. You know, like let's let it breathe. Let's listen to this music and let it flow through us and wash over us in a way, not, not be like, what's next here we go boom 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 like machine yeah, gun style yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that's yeah. true sometimes you want to you want to let it ride yeah um all right well there was a bunch you know a lot of people wanted more am stories or fre- you know fresh print stuff or um i don't know what else peter piper routines i mean if you want to tell any of those a lot of them i feel like they've been covered on a lot of other podcasts yeah. and i don't want to keep you too long but um yeah, I mean, you know, if there's any other stuff you want to talk about that we can, but basically I just want to know if there's any other um final words for DJs or everybody out there that um they should hear during this time or going forward and words of inspiration and and things that you could pass on to to other people. What was weird is that that statement or that question is a roller coaster in itself because there was a point in time that I felt really good answering that question. And then it got to a point of the advice that I would give someone doesn't work today. You know, just where we are, it's kind of like, man, you know, I want to tell people like, yo, like figure out what your thing is and make that your thing. If you're DJing, what is your thing in DJing? What is your like everybody's got something. I really like this. I really like that. I really want it. Like, what is your thing? And you need to get your thing and make people know what your thing is. And then it kind of got to a point of like, well, if I give that advice right now, the world wants you to be what everybody else is. So I'm yeah. giving somebody some advice that that shit won't work right now. And then you start feeling crazy. That it's kind of like, wow, you know, it's wild how advice is like clothes. Sometimes <laughs> that shit plays out. Yeah, it's kind of like, it doesn't mean what it meant. 
the irony is because of what we've been going through the past nine, 10 months, that advice is coming back around because the thing that, that I don't, I do not criticize any music. I don't criticize any artists, you know, whether you like it or not, it's a personal preference. It was really wild to watch some of the biggest streams consist of no new music. Yeah. It was, it was a level of nostalgia that I think people missed that a lot of the new music don't cover because the new music, a lot of the new music doesn't have patience. It doesn't play. There's no dynamics. Everything is as loud as it can be. There's no frequencies that it comes in and out. There's no uh, 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 velocity that it goes up and it comes down and it goes up and comes down. Everything has got to be maximized to the lowest or the loudest DB that it possibly can be. There's no structure in the music. There's no verse and bridge and chorus. You know, it's kind of like this, this, this same loop can play from the beginning of the song to end the song. And that's not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but I think that does not tell a story. That's, that's a chapter in the story. And when you, you know, it was wild to pay attention that I'm looking at all of these streams, you know, you would look at some of these really, really big dance DJs that I was like, this seems like it's not translating online. Like it almost seems like this is made so much for the stage that I don't know how to translate this into a little device that I'm looking at on my phone. And, you know, you started hearing so much more music. Like during this pandemic, I have never heard DJs play this much music. You said it earlier when you had a lot of the DJs that were coming on and it was kind of like, I've been so used to playing club style that I don't know how to play anything else. And I just played club style on Twitch and that shit didn't work. It's kind of like, wow. But then it's kind of like, wait, but I could play this and then I can do this and I can. And then you start seeing, you know, the personalities of people you know i grew up <coughs> excuse me i grew up yeah. when djs had personal am had a personality yeah you knew 100%. his personality you know yep. you knew dj's person dj scratch has a personality kenny yeah. dope has a personality you knew those personalities i almost started to feel like we shared a lot of the same personality because we had to because of the structure of the club scene or (coughs) excuse me, the club scene or just where we were. And I'm almost feeling like I'm starting to hear people's personalities again. And I think that the longer that we are in this space, your personality is going to come through. And when it comes time to go back outside, you're going to have to show that personality because the stuff that worked in the club before is not working now. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like, okay, now we get a chance to see who, who people are and, and what is their personality? What's their musical taste? Like that's what we were picked for. You know yeah. what I mean? You were picked because you have a personality. It's, it's you know, we're, we're hairdressers that, yeah, we all got popular because of the way we did hair 
And all of a sudden, everybody started giving everybody box cuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you got to tap in and remember why you started doing this and then tap yes. into like, who are you? Because you could, yes, you started doing this by inspiration from other people, but you need to also bring in yourself and figure out what you're going to add to the culture and what you're going to add to the game. And while following the, your inspiration and, and your love of it and not forgetting why you even started. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I think that'll help a lot of people out there um, hearing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you for taking all this time to be on the show and <laughs> blessing us with all these amazing nuggets and gems, like you said, uh, for Listen, everyone. Man, I just appreciate you having a platform um, that kind of pulls this out of people because you know, like I said, everybody's home. So we need that. Everybody kind of needs that level yep. of inspiration and those stories, you know, no matter how big or small those stories are, you know, we kind of need that to, to, to motivate us, you know, it, yeah. it's, you know, there, there, there's a DJ out there that's in a one bedroom apartment with his records and Netflix and he needs this, Yeah, you know, so we I appreciate know. that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that statement. And and I've noticed that through the pandemic, the amount of messages I get of people like, this is helping me so much in every different way, too. It helps them yeah. in their own way, the same way the clothes might not fit uh, everybody, but <laughs> maybe the shirt is cool and this person wears the jacket. Exactly. You know, like, it's fine. We, you know, take what you want out of it. But yeah, because originally this podcast, I thought, oh, we're going to tell some funny stories and be like, I went to London and I ate something gross, you know, whatever. And that shit is fun. But it's nice to get deeper into it and to find a way to connect all of us through this crazy time and keep us connected, keep pushing the culture forward and learning the history of things while building the future together and talking about streaming yeah. and music and, and all this. So to have you on here, I think is a blessing for everybody and a good way to start uh, the new year. And I yes. agree that we might have a rough few months in the beginning here, um, which is all the more reason for everyone to jump into the streaming and jump into why you started. Yeah. If you didn't do it last year, start it this year. Let's go, you know, hit, hit me up if you need advice. Like we're all here to help yeah, and, and do yeah. it. So absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, DJ Jazzy Jeff, thank you for coming on the 20 podcast. Really appreciate it. And, uh, I'll, I'll see you on your, I'll see you on your stream. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Not this week though, but you no, will. take that break. <laughs> take two weeks. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. You have a lot of stuff on your page for people to go through. Yeah. I was going through some of yeah. the videos. I see that you still archived a lot of it on there. So, yeah. um, you know, people could just go. I put your New Year's Day one on yesterday when I was just doing stuff. Like you said, I had stuff to do. It's like six hours. So I was like, yeah, there's a lot, yeah. a lot on there. Yeah, that was that um, was a lot of fun. That was really a lot of fun. And and shout out to all of the people that 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 came through, um, you know, and just, you know, Eric. Eric did an amazing job and starting yeah. from scratch was mind blowing. And Stroh oh, man, he put together all incredible. those different scenes. Like, oh, man. And then Stroh, um, yeah, like yeah, that was that was crazy. And then Sonny James was just on something like that, you know. Yeah, you you get inspired, you get inspired by that. And then you know, and then Terry just you know brought everybody home, and 
you know, people was hitting me crying and like, oh my God, this was so beautiful. And, you know, I know. And that's, you know, and that's, that's all you wanted. You know, all you really wanted was for people to have a good time. You know, yep. we are trying to, you know, we trying to get through this together. So however we yeah. can help is, is good. Yeah, no, that was a, that was the ultimate. I mean, you've had a million great streams, but that one just really was a kind of hit all the boxes of everything, I think. Yeah. Yeah, dope yeah. all right well thank you again good catching up with you and talking to you about everything i appreciate it and uh we'll talk yes, to you sir. soon all right absolutely peace and that was it wow what a crazy episode one of our longest one of the best so much amazing stuff in there if you made it to this point i'm proud of you thank you thank you for the support and thank you for listening uh, we will be back week after week like we always are on the 20 podcast this podcast was produced by beat source thank you to the whole beat source team anthony vlats everyone involved um, it is a real pleasure for me to do this every week and connect with you guys there's any guests you want to hear us have on some topics some questions anything i can help you with any things that we could include in the podcast that will help you going forward in this year 2021 please let me know hit me on twitch um, twitch.tv slash dj spider or on instagram at dj spider hit me in the dms and thank you guys for listening we'll be back again the 20 podcast dj spider signing off peace and that was the 20 with dj spider Thank you.